0: blast from our past network. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Roadhouse. Starring Patrick Swayze, Kelly Lynch, and Sam Elliott.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the annual $2 Late Fee Podcasting After Dark crossover extravaganza. This month, every single episode is dedicated to 1989's Roadhouse. Now, if you've been listening you know, on this feed or $2 Late Fee's feed, you know that we already covered part of this movie, specifically the music and the cast and crew and everything like that on the $2 Late Fee proper episode. So unlike a normal pad episode, we are actually going to omit all of that Uh, before, you know, we're just going to basically jump right into the breakdown. So, if you're just finding this episode, you know, on our feed or something like that, make sure you go listen to the previous episodes, and make sure you listen to every episode this month, and they will all be dropping on both the podcasting after dark feed and the $2 late fee feed on the exact same day, an entire month of Roadhouse. What are you going to do, Roadhouse? I don't know where that came from. I just needed to burn off some of the caffeine I had inside of me. So, as always... And every year, I am joined by my two brothers from other mothers, Zach and Dustin. Both of these guys have an amazing podcast called Two Dollar Lafey, but I think by this point, seeing as how it's our fifth year, you guys probably know all that stuff. But before we get into things, Dustin, how's it going, buddy? This is our third crossover event, my man.
2: Thank you, Corey. Um, It's going well. Uh, I appreciate you... uh... Having me back for this recording this with you guys is the only experience that can come the closest to simulating taking a red eye flight uh, without <laughs> actually taking a red eye. So I appreciate um, I appreciate that. And um, and I'm looking forward to discussing uh, the glory of Dalton
3: and, uh, and
1: piece like- by piece. And like most red eye flights, we're all disheveled and broken by the end of these recordings.
2: We're very dry. There's usually yeah. some dryness, maybe some uncomfortableness, because I've yeah. you know, and I, I would try to sleep. I try to sleep, but I just can't because um, I need to be engaged. And um, dry, you know. And then I nod off, and then the drink cart just whacks me in the knee. Yeah, um, you startle awake. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm uh, excited to be here. I'm looking forward to this, and, um, I, you know, you hearing you talk about caffeine makes me think I should have had some caffeine, and I didn't. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, so, I'll be your caffeine, buddy. I'll, I'll so, send you some uh, via the force.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I'll be your caffeine is probably a really cool thing to have on a t-shirt. Yeah, there you um, go.
0: There you go. I think that's a <laughs> lyric for a song. I'll be the caffeine yeah, in your a cup. The train
2: song was what it would be.
0: I'll <laughs> be the caffeine in your cup, let's be, just like let's Patrick honest. Swayze. Yep. Yep.
2: It would be, it would.
0: <laughs> I got dance moves like Patrick Swayze. Put the caffeine in you. <laughs> oh, that's koozie, right. Yeah, that's yeah. That's right. Dance moves like yep. Swayze.
2: is train lyrics, right?
0: Yep. All American girl.
2: Yep. We're like, where are you going tonight, Zach? Oh, I'm going to the uh, I'll Be Your Caffeine train tour. Um, 50,
0: 55 My top City three Train. three train songs. Marry Me uh all american girl which features the lyrics uh dance moves like patrick swayze and uh caffeine man caffeine man
2: i'll be your caffeine is is a romantic romantic thing to say that's to somebody. a good
0: that's a good line don't steal uh, it okay. no you, you can say <laughs> it's it out to there a,
2: to a, a lady you can say it to a dude you can just say it to you could say it to your son zach you could say it to your son right now see see what he Bodie, says
0: i'll be a, i'll be your
1: caffeine Bodhi looked up for one second yeah. and looked back down at his. Like, video is
2: that going to help me beat <laughs> Minecraft? I don't think so, Dad.
0: Not today, Skeletor. Not today.
1: <laughs> and of course, as always, uh, it wouldn't be podcasting after dark or $2 late fee without Zach the snack.
0: <laughs> I guess it wouldn't be. I was thinking, you know, you're saying uh, that at this point, everybody should know. The crossover is real. It's it's there. We've been doing it for a few years. But in case there's a new listener, you know, who was scrolling away going, I would love to find a podcast about my favorite movie, 1989's Roadhouse, and there's nothing else out there, and they discover us for the first time. Okay, well, Billy Bob and uh, Manny Freddie and uh, Caffeine Cake. Why,
2: why are all your new listeners really uneducated Southerners? Hey, I
0: just— through those uh, names okay. out there <laughs> because <laughs> and then we lost
1: all those new yeah right? listeners. Well, just, like, five minutes them. in <laughs> okay yeah. fine take two hey, uh, to uh, our uh, new listeners i just
2: had sex with my sister and i want to listen to a new podcast
0: uh this is great is this fine the... take take yeah. two to our new listeners samanfred <laughs> mann uh gertrude von beatrice and buttercup uh, caffeinated uh, Welcome to Podcasting After Dark and $2 AP's crossover of the nineteen eighty nine a film. <laughs> roadhouse <laughs> is that
1: better. That was great yeah much better you're welcome much better and yes <laughs> it's if, like i got paid and yes if this is the first time you're listening uh usually our format is um, podcast after dark that we break down the entire movie but we spend a little bit of time beforehand talking about the cast and crew talking about our experiences with the film and everything but like i said that is all over on the two dollar late fee episode that is also on this feed so you can find it on both feeds wherever you're listening
0: to this um so, and there's a couple things that we didn't like throw into that episode that may come up in this one. Yeah. Like 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 some relevant names that we might have forgotten about.
1: Yeah, of course. And that happens on, on the proper episodes as well. You know, we talk about them when they when they get in there. But uh guys and gals, you know, we're just gonna jump right into it. So play the trailer.
4: Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. Patrick Swayze is... Dalton. I thought you'd be... bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen.
3: How does a guy like you end up a bouncer?
4: Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. If somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice.
1: Don't be rude.
4: Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice so says the fighting philosopher he may be hard to handle keep talking you're gonna go off thinking i'm a nice guy
3: i know you're
0: not a nice guy
4: but he's easy to like
0: what's the matter
4: Dalton? don't you like women the worst i ever had was wonderful he's not what you'd expect i thought you'd
3: be bigger But there's one thing you can count on. He's the best friend a good time ever had.
0: Are you guys tired?
3: I'll go get all sleep I need and I'm dead. This is my time.
4: I'm not afraid of him. I guess you'll be having that fire
3: sale now, all right? <laughs> you got your hands full, kid.
0: I just think I'm looking at a dead man. <laughs>
3: Patrick Swayze. For
0: that line of work, I
4: thought you'd be bigger. Gee, I've never heard that before. Roadhouse.
1: The movie starts with the United Artists logo. I love that logo, guys, and I love seeing all these old school logos, man.
0: Does it make that sound, too, where it's like...
1: I, does it or does it, does the sound, uh, does the music, I think, over uh, plays over it? You know, it does
0: the. On this one, it does. Yeah. yeah. In the past, that logo has had the.
1: <sighs> yeah. Which I always dug.
2: Yeah. I do feel nostalgia for logos. Um, and especially, especially that one. Um, TriStar Pictures. Yep. Another one. Gets me. Canon. Yep. Canon. Yeah, yep. Yep.
1: All, all the greats. Co. All the fucking greats. Don't throw stones by the cruzados starts playing as the camera cranes down and we see a bar called the bandstand. The parking lot is packed and people are lined up to get in. By the way, I, another thing that I love about movies of this time and everything, just love seeing all the fashion, especially 89. This is like, you know, it's still like that zany late 80s fashion
0: it's borderline we're getting into the tacky era of uh 80s fashion it's no longer like new fresh colors it's rehashed baggy stuff we're getting into the some of the baggy stuff now which i was never a huge fan of but man oh man it's
2: right it's interesting because 90s fashion when it becomes baggy and like skatery then it's great you know but the baggy 80s the baggy late 80s i agree with you i think it's i think it's it's real dangerous it's usually features a lot of pleats
1: yeah, Um so would you say, like, look, look like, 87 good. is about peak awesome 80s um, fashion?
2: Yeah, maybe 88, but okay. Okay. but that yeah. 89, 90, you know, like, you see, like, uh, you know, like, a lot of double-breasted suits.
0: Yes. You know, you're just like, that doesn't look good at all. Shoulder pads were making a big yep.
1: comeback. The only time double-breasted suits look great are if you're the Rocketeer or Darkwing Duck. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> That's true. (laughs) That's words to live by.
1: (laughs) The Roadhouse logo appears as a woman in a tight, very 80s-style dress walks through the parking lot. We see Tillman, played by Kevin Tighe, get out of a limo and walk into the bandstand. Inside the bar, a live band is playing and everyone is dancing and having a good time. Tillman makes his way through the crowd and and observes lots of cleavage, cash, and Patrick Swayze. We talked about it on the previous episode about how those edits with him like looking around and the first thing they cut to is a cleavage shot. I felt informed me the entire movie that Tillman was going to be kind of a scumbag, but he's not. And I think that the editing completely betrays him right here.
2: Um, I think it bears mentioning that when we recorded our $2 late fee episode, the three of us, uh, Corey, you had just seen it, this movie, for the first time. Correct. Um, one viewing, and now how many viewings has it has it been since that time?
1: Uh, one viewing before the $2 Lafey one, one for funsies, and then a breakdown that took me about four days to get through. So this was a bit of a beefier film than we normally do, and I was also trying to condense it and do a more of a streamlined job on the uh, breakdown. So, yeah, this is only technically my third time watching it.
2: Okay, but a lot has changed. A lot of evolution. So yes. I look forward to hearing new perspectives, um, perhaps. Yes, as well.
0: Eh. Well, in in that one, being Tallman is still portrayed uh, unfairly, I would say. <laughs> that, right, and 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 the other thing that point that I that I uh, recalled recalled total recalled from our from our previous episode was, you know, we talked about the band playing their song and how. Those song, that, that song is not featured on the soundtrack, which is a super shame, because that, so, that song is actually not featured anywhere. It ended up not getting released anywhere. Tito and Tarantula put out a live record maybe 20 years ago, and that song was on a live set. And they say in that live recording, you know, we never we never recorded this song, but it's one of our favorites, right? Um, and I want to make one more note really quick before we... we because we're going to be talking about music throughout this whole thing yeah. Jimmy Iovine was the music supervisor of this movie by the way and Jimmy Iovine if you don't know who he is I think a lot of people would know him modern people will know him from being uh, an integral part of uh, American Idol but Jimmy Iovine is a legend in the music industry and the fact that he's the music supervisor for this film that's why I think when we talk about how much this the music plays such a huge part in this movie he's a he's a big piece of that
1: Thank you. No, that's awesome. I appreciate you bringing that up. And I do note um, because you know when I do the breakdown, I do the, um, the subtitles, and of course it's nice that they tell you what song's playing and everything. So I do oh, cool. because I know that this movie's so musical. I did include like what song is playing when it comes on and all that kind of stuff. And, and I oh. mean, and moving forward, yeah, this is Tito, not Tito and Tarantula, but it's Tito, and then everything else after this is going to be um, the Jeff Ely band. So
0: yeah. The Judd Nelson band. Yeah.
1: We see a man get into an altercation with a redheaded woman, played by our pal Patricia Tallman, who you can go and listen to uh, an interview we did with her. Uh, Night of the Living
0: Dead, baby. That's
1: right. And he kicks her over in her chair. So, of course, uh, they use her because she's a a stunt woman by by trade. And I think uh, Night of the Living Dead was probably her biggest sort of featured film. But she's mostly known for her stunt work. So that is her getting kicked over in the chair.
0: Babylon 5 as well, right?
1: Yep. Dalton watches his men grab the two douchebags and walks over and tells them to leave. One of the assholes says he's sorry, and Dalton nods for him to let him go. Once the guy is free, he grabs a knife off the table and slashes Dalton in the arm with it before the other bouncers can subdue him. Dalton barely flinches. The asshole with the knife says he's, he's always wanted to fight Dalton. He thinks he can take him. Dalton just says, "'Outside.'" and we see the two douchebags walking out the front door with Dalton and his team behind him. The two assholes try to get Dalton to fight them, but he just turns around and goes back inside while his bouncers form a wall at the door. Now, Dustin, I thought this was awesome how he handled this. And it doesn't, and it, I like it's kind of like a surprise where he's like outside and you think he's going to fight him because he's a tough guy. But as you go to learn, you know, he's all about being nice and everything. And I thought this was a good way to set up his character without just explaining it all right to you.
2: Absolutely. We know that he is a philosophy major, he's a guy seeking answers through, well, really through pain, if you really want to analyze him. But uh, but yeah, uh, as as we'll get to, I mean, he has certain rules by which he instructs other bouncers to live by. And one of those is take it outside. And the reality is, yeah, when you're outside, <laughs> you're it's like you kick the vampire out of the yeah. house. <laughs> yeah. You can't come back in.
1: Yeah, there's no so, reason to fight at this point.
2: Um, so but it really establishes that D- Dalton is a thinker. He's not just a bruiser. He's not just a brawler. He's not a maniac. And there's a lot of questions about why would somebody of with this kind of temperament or character be in a job like this, and that's sort of the uh, the the question, the contemplation that Road, Roadhouse proposes.
1: But maybe never quite answers. To be honest with you,
2: it's well, I mean, that's a really good point. It's like, do we do we know? Um, I do don't we know. Ever, we could do we ever build. really
1: know more about? dalton at the end of this movie you know like do we really know any more about him at the end that than you do right here essentially
2: right well we know that he's um much like uh the tv show werewolf which we talk about a lot you know a guy that's running from his past um to where right and like without a a clear path um just just kind of keep moving keep moving and and in the same way uh of an old-timey Western or a a drifter. He's really kind of a drifter. He just kind of goes wherever the wind blows, wherever the money presents itself, wherever the opportunity presents itself. And we also learn um, over the course of this movie that he has uh, integrity and values, and that sometimes beats out the money.
0: He went to one of those colleges. He's a college kid. Integrity should always trump money, I think, right?
1: Um, We see Tillman watching everything unfold. Cut to the back office and Dalton is stitching up his arm in the mirror. Tillman walks in and asks Dalton if he can talk. He gives Dalton his business card and says he has a little club outside Kansas City called the Double Deuce. He says the bar used to be nice, but now it's attracting the wrong crowd. Tillman says, I've come into a little bit of money and I'd like to make a better life for myself. I need somebody to help me clean the place up. I need the best. Dalton says that Wade Garrett is the best but Tillman says that Wade Garrett is getting old and he wants Dalton. Dalton keeps working on his shoulder and says, 5000 up front, 500 a night, cash. You pay all medical expenses. Tillman says he can live with that. Dalton then adds, I run the show. Completely. When the job's done, I walk. Tillman agrees to these terms and asks when he can expect Dalton to arrive. Don't. I'll get there. Just then, the owner of the bandstand walks in and asks Dalton if he's all right. Just a scratch. By the way, Oscar, bandstand's all yours. I'm out of here. Tillman smiles, then goes to leave and says to Dalton, you know, I thought you'd be bigger. Thus starting the I thought you'd be bigger running gag.
0: And the connection with Escape from New York being Dean Cundy, Snake Plissken is thought you were dead, Snake, kind of alluding to that these small actor types it's kind of an i almost feel like it's an inside joke like these guys are much smaller than they actually are portrayed on screen and and you know yeah in in real life they'd be a lot smaller yeah we saw mel gibson in real life to be like wait what happened to that guy this this little dude with the big head right here this guy
2: (laughs) yeah unless they were michael j fox i think you would expect them to be bigger
1: right right yeah Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Michael J. Fox just, everyone was just aware of, of how tall he was, it seems like. That was never in question. Whereas, yeah. you know, Tom Cruise is like the same height, but we all think of him as being so much bigger. Right.
2: Many Apple boxes st- stood on over the years.
1: <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Cut to Dalton parking in a shitty car on the street outside of a garage. An older man is sitting on the chair on the sidewalk. Dalton throws him the keys, and the guy says, what do I look like, a valet? But Dalton tells him the car is his, then walks into the garage and takes the cover off of a beautiful silver Mercedes with New York tags. He pops in a cassette and On the Road Again by Jeff Healy Band starts playing as Dalton hits the road. I have to say, I mean, I love the movie like Drive, stuff like that, and I love the fact that Dalton has two different cars here. I love the fact that he has his car the mercedes that he clearly loves and then every town he comes into he buys up and you'll see it he buys a beater because there's reasons for that and i think that's such a cool little element to his character
2: it is we're not sure initially why he's doing that you're like oh he's just giving away his car that's weird
1: but yeah we'll find out you find a really quick why (laughs) because his job is not kind to cars
0: i'd rather take his beater to be honest with you
1: well The next one that he gets, that Buick with the clamshell uh, lights, Mm -hmm. is awesome. I actually think that car is neat.
0: I want that one more than the Mercedes.
1: I'm not a big Mercedes guy, to be honest with you. I'm not a big BMW guy either. Same. Dustin's like, but I drive a BMW. (laughs) I don't know. Dustin, what do you drive, buddy? I actually don't know.
2: I drive a uh, 2012 uh, Prius V with (laughs) most of the... uh, paint uh ripped off the top not ripped off but you know sun damage yeah it's a really sad state of affairs and um yeah and some some scrapes and i th- feel like um yeah i just feel bad for the car it runs great <laughs> and i and i do love it but uh might might be it's time not mater might be Dustin, time to, it's not mater to, to trade it in for uh not... <laughs> for patrick swayze's second beater
0: <laughs> yeah this would be your beater and then your one in the garage is the uh this is the good one uh, ford ford tempo there
1: you
2: um, go <laughs> did, were you saying it's not mater like uh that cartoon the the tow truck yeah cars the
0: gum that gum i got dancer like scars that's, that's really funny a story. the
2: only reason i know what you're talking about is thanks to my nephew huey because mater is his favorite but i otherwise yes. i'd be like why are you what are you talking about
0: well, Mater's gonna have to call in, call Huey up.
2: Yeah, Mater. Uh, Mater sounds a lot like your new fan, uh, your new listener. Who <laughs> you
0: mean, Sir Richard
2: Richard Longfellow? Yeah. Right. Well, before Richard Longfellow, I think I think Mater called in. Oh yeah, he looking did. for Roadhouse.
0: I love Roadhouse and Iron Eagle, man. <laughs> uh, so I mean, so do we. So are we kidding? Of
1: course, I loved yes. Iron Eagle as a kid. I watched that more than uh, Top Gun back in the day when I was younger. Famers.
2: Same or, same or same Yeah, yeah, same.
1: We see same. Dalton arrive at the Double Deuce, and it is a stark contrast to the bandstand. Dalton parks his car in the parking lot and immediately draws the attention of some bikers outside. As he walks up to the front door, some poor bastard is getting tossed out on his ass by Terry Funk, a.k.a. Morgan.
0: Rest in peace, Terry Funk.
1: Yeah, big will hear
0: about him in a couple weeks, by the way.
1: Inside the double deuce, a live band is playing inside a mesh cage and all kinds of shady people are doing their thing on the dance floor. Dalton smiles when he sees that it's Jeff the Jeff Healy band, but he goes his character's name is Cody in the movie. So it's I guess the Cody Healy band, I guess. Um you could have just named his character Jeff. That would have been fine with that.
0: Maybe, maybe, maybe Cody Hart. How about well, that?
1: Because c- it's weird. Because when you are watching it with subtitles, like it'll be like you know, "The Night Comes Falling" by Jeff Healy band. But yet it's Cody. But we also know that that is Jeff Healy, So it's you know, the subtitles just kind of threw me off.
0: It's called the the deuce the deuce the deucers.
1: That would have been. Not the best name, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you, did right. a shift. Yeah. And I was like, you're oh, like oh, that would have been maybe not, oh, maybe not. No.
2: well, that would imply that they just like name themselves after whatever bar they were working at, which is right. weird.
1: <laughs> the bandstanders, and then yeah. now they're the deucers. Because <laughs> clearly,
2: they travel around too and play other gigs. It'd be like,
1: yeah, you, until you only... until things start flowing, money starts uh, trickling down, yeah. and they are proof positive that trickle down economics work. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. <laughs> Uh, just then, a fight breaks out in the pool hall, and Dalton watches the bouncers do nothing about it. One says, "Fuck them, they're brothers, then goes back to hitting on some young lady. Dalton walks through the crowd and posts up at the bar to survey the scene. He sees waitresses being harassed, drug deals going down in the open, and Morgan, Terry Funk, aggressively throwing around a shitty patron around. After Funk is done with the guy, he tells Dalton, you're not drinking. You're out of here. The waitress, Carrie Ann, uh Kathleen uh, Wilhoit. Is that how you pronounce yeah, her name? Yeah, I Wil- believe so. Which mm-hmm. uh, we, we loved her in in which which board. Tata for so now. So good. Uh, and then she's also in Murphy's Law with uh, what's his name,
0: right? Yeah, she's cool. She's cool. She's a cool actor.
1: The waitress Carrie Ann, tells Dalton to not worry about him. Morgan was born an asshole and he just grew bigger. She introduces herself and says her name to. And, you know, he says his name is Dalton. She laughs and says she's heard of him. Just then, the bartender smacks the bar and tells her to get back to work. So, Dustin, this starts this idea that, like, he, everyone knows him. And, you know, it's it's almost like he because he's almost like a mythical character. Him and Wade Garrett, you know, these coolers, are almost like in the bar scene. Because I guess all these people are probably, like, career bartenders, career waitresses and everything. And they all have heard of him it adds a layer of coolness to it but it also takes away some of the reality in my opinion. Um what's your take on this whole like m- mythical aspect of Dalton?
2: If you if you took this legend and you and it was not 1989 but it was like current day, 2023 where Dalton also has a TikTok page. Right, yeah. And you know and everyone thinks he's like a total ass, right? Like it would it would it would totally diminish it, like the legend the legend works because of the time period, right? <laughs> the time period before social media, no one knows what he looks like. Um, I love it. I love, I love it. And I love it especially because it's this world of coolers as they're called, you know, guys who come in and shape, shape up, uh, make up sh- shape up, tip top, uh, make a bar, um, turn, turn a bar around. Basically, it's not just it's not just a bouncing job, but it's it's overseeing right. The it, employees it's like a total
1: a, bar overhaul.
2: It, it is. It's a career. It's like, yeah. uh, you know, thank God, right. The owner has money to do these things because it's it, like I think I mentioned, you know, it's like a reality show. It's like it's like it has these bar rescue elements to it. Uh, John Taffer, you know, coming in. This bartender is terrible. The food is bad. You know, we don't see. Is there there a kitchen? Yeah, I think there's a kitchen in the double deuce, right? Is he trying the food, trying the fries, whatever. But the idea that no one knows who this guy is. He's standing at the end of the bar just checking shit out. He's being quiet. And as we know, if you can command silence in a certain way, it's very intimidating. You can control the whole room. The whispers start. Who's that guy? Who's that douchebag? Oh, that's Dalton. What? That's fucking Dalton. Yeah, That's fucking Dalton. And... uh. That establishes a really cool, um, you know, introduction. We, as the audience, have seen what he can do in the previous scene. Yeah. But we just a little bit of a taste, Just yeah. a little bit of a taste. We don't really know, you know, can he fight? Well, we know he can stitch himself. We know he can uh, diffuse, a, uh, diffuse an escalating situation. But, um, but now we're also intrigued, like, what's he going to do? What's, yeah, need- he, what's his take going right. to be?
1: And he never drinks. He's like – I mean, he does drink. It's like he's not like he's not – like he's like, oh, I'm not an alcoholic. He does drink beers, but it seems like he never does it on the job, and that's what right. I think is really cool too about him. Right. Um, yeah, Dustin, everything you just said I think is, is yeah. really, really awesome. Um, so we see – <laughs> <laughs> you're like mission accomplished um, we see Tillman make his way through the box. bar <laughs> he stops by some graffiti which says like for a great fuck call 555-7617 he kind of takes out his sharpie and he changes the the f to a b and kind of adds an i and so it so it says uh for a great buick call which is just i think it shows that you know he he's doing his little things but he just he's so overpowered by all the shit that, that's there, he can't do really anything else. Besides, stick your fingers in the dike as as water just is blowing out of every hole, you know? It's right. very small. Uh, the band stops playing to take a short break, and someone in the crowd throws a beer at them, and it shatters on the mesh and splashes Jeff, Cody, sorry, Jeff Healy, Cody, uh, with liquid and glass. I thought that was going to lead to something, because, you know, Cody kind of goes, Ah, shit, you know, but it doesn't yeah. really. Uh, Dalton walks up to the band, and when they all see him, he tells him to be quiet. Dalton hands Cody a towel and says, thought you played pretty good for a blind white boy. <laughs> Cody recognizes his voice and says, yeah, and I thought you'd be bigger, which that that's my favorite one is Cody saying it because he's blind. It's great. They both laugh and hug, which is awesome. Cody says he and the boys heard Dalton was coming to town to clean the place up. Cody says the double deuce is worse than that bar they worked at in Daytona. Back on the other side of the dance floor, we see Carrie Ann tell another bouncer that the guy is Dalton. The bouncer looks surprised. I I forgot that one bouncer. I kind of didn't track his name. He's kind of has kind of squinty eyes but blonde hair. I really like him, and I really like the heavier one, Jack. Low-key, Jack is one of my favorite characters in the movie, and it kind of goes back to what Zach and I were discussing um, on a previous episode about— on the the Maximum Overdrive episode about how— the heavy guy in that movie didn't really turn out to be an asshole. And back in the day, in the eighties, a lot of times the fat guy was always portrayed <laughs> as the hick and the dick and the, and the redneck and the asshole. Um, right. but here, oh you know, and, and it always happens, but I like that. They kind of flip it. And I like Jack is one of his more better bouncers, the heavier one.
0: Yeah. Jack is cool. Uh, he's played by Travis McKenna. Uh, he's actually has quite a filmography, The other guy, it's tricky because they never mention his name.
1: No, I know, and I think he doesn't have a picture, and I think he was also a bouncer in um, Ford Fairlane, Ventures of Ford Fairlane, but I forgot his name.
0: Oh, really? He was. That's Kurt James Stefka.
1: I think that's him. I think that's the guy, the blonde guy. Um, But yeah, he's he's another one of the quote unquote good bouncers.
0: He uh, he's got a cool look. Yeah,
2: he does. He looks like he should be a member of Huey Lewis in the news.
1: Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, he
1: looks. I don't know if he's quite properly cast as a bouncer but i do like him
0: yeah he's got that like mid mullet going yeah. on where it's just a little bit of curl in the back to, yeah to signify the mullet but not too much for an, a kentucky waterfall exactly
2: yeah i mean he's kind of the guy who like just took up bouncing because he needed a job and yeah you know yeah but
0: but he, what he really wants to do is play guitar uh play rhythm guitar in the band in, in yeah. the news yeah oh yeah in the news yeah. he actually there was a dude and yeah you're right dustin that's one of your favorite bands right uh he looks just like the one guy i believe who plays like not bass but rhythm guitar in the band
2: yeah yeah he really does i am all of, all of the news's names are escaping me right now
1: but yes cody and the band go back to playing music this time it's long tall sally and of course i get flashbacks of predator every time i hear that song <laughs>
0: It's so interesting, really quick that like there's certain songs. Fortunately, that they did, they did not play. Uh, I believe there's bars that are like, "Do we will not play the devil went down to Georgia." Yeah. We will not play. You know, they, they they they're pretty tight. The overall the songs that they choose for this are, are not like cliche, too cliche bar songs.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. And and you know, most bands can't sing the way Jeff Healy can sing. You know, and and nail these nope. songs here because he's. Freaking amazing! We see the bartender whisper to Terry Funk that the guy at the end of the bar is fucking Dalton. We see other bouncers look over at him and talking. One says he heard Dalton killed a guy once, ripped his throat right out. The other bouncer says bullshit. The bartender asks Dalton what he's drinking and he says coffee, black. As Dalton surveys the crowd, he spots Starscream, played by Christopher Collins. It's this uh, fat guy uh, who's kind of pimping out his, uh, his wife. And, yeah, that's um, the voice of Starscream and Cobra Commander. Does not look anything like I thought he was going to.
0: Nope. Dustin, is that right Chris Lotta?
2: Chris Latta is the voice of, of Starscream. And I, I'm sorry to interrupt here, but I just uh, some interesting news about Kurt James Stefka. Um he died in a very um high profile murder suicide with his wife. Oh jeez. Uh, struggling over a handgun.
0: Oh
1: uh
2: in Elko County, what is this, Las Vegas? Um or Nevada, sorry. Um
1: That's horrible.
2: Yeah. So uh just uh I was just a little curious. I was like, let me look at this guy. And, um, he, uh, that sounds like, sucks. yeah, it sounds like he shot his wife and, um,
1: okay. Well, I guess we're gonna have to change our, our opinion on, on that character there. Uh, I, so I've always heard that star name was, you know, the guy who played him was Chris Lata, but it's on IMDB as Christopher Collins. I did they change it? Was Lata maybe his, his original, like his, you know, Birth name and Collins was maybe a stage name.
2: Uh, that's Interesting. that's yeah. He does have two names. He does wow. have two names. Um,
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I like I'm with you guys. Like, I've I've heard that he's his name was Chris Lada, but yeah, he's he's billed as Christopher Collins. Yeah. And, I mean, it is him. So, guys and gals, if you ever wanted to see what the, the voice actor for Starscream and Cobra Commander looks like, uh, go watch Roadhouse or. Watch the episode of Seinfeld where Kramer wins all that money um, uh, betting on the horses. He is that goon that chases Kramer
0: sort of through the subway. Same guy. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, well, we just learned two things today.
1: But that is, I am curious as to if anyone out there knows, like, why is he also listed or why do we all think of him as Chris Lada, but he's not even mentioned on IMDb as that?
0: Could it be for tax purposes? <laughs> Maybe.
1: He passed away at 44, by the way. Holy crap! Which means, wow. I am now older than him, and he looks in this movie older than me, and all of us actually. Yep. yep. Weird. And, wow. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. And he so,
2: was—he uh, was the same age as Sam Elliott when he filmed this movie.
1: Wow, <laughs> that's that's wild because Sam Elliott definitely looks a lot older, but also he really freaking does gorgeous. He yeah. pretty much looks no the doubt. same
0: now that he looked then, though.
1: Yeah. So, Starscream, because that's all I'm going to mention, Bill and Mazin here, he's pimping out his girlfriend to a couple losers. He says for $20, they can kiss her breasts. One of the guys is super excited and starts fondling her boobs. And doesn't stop. When Starscream asks, I... <laughs> sorry. When you Starscream know what? Asks, I'm sorry. I, I,
2: the Chris, the, I think the Chris Collins, Chris Lada thing might be... Um, a sag situation. I think okay. there was probably another Chris Collins cuz that's his given name.
1: And and after he passed away, they just probably reverted his IMDb well, he passed away a long time ago, way before IMDb even came up. So so right. that's why do you think that's why they would list him though on IMDb as his given name, right?
2: Well, if he if he was going by a certain name for a while until he decided to change. it. And this is certainly speculation too right. because, but that's usually what happens. Okay. Like Michael J. Fox, right? They yeah. added that in later. Right. Because there's some confusion. So um, uh, that's, yeah. So he did X amount of roles as Collins and then probably was credited as Lada for, yeah.
0: Okay. Interesting. That's, that's what um, I'm guessing. Yeah, no,
1: I mean, I think all of this is... is- Weird, you know, weird, wild stuff that I I find very interesting. I, I hope the listeners do as well. Yes, and, uh... <laughs> it is. And
2: sorry to interrupt twice. <laughs> no, no,
1: it's okay. So, so Starscream, he just gets, he's he's getting pissed off. Uh, he he asked to, he asked that guy if he's going to kiss them, you know, kiss the boobs or not. And that guy says he doesn't have twenty dollars. And of course, that makes you know Starscream throw the guy, which causes a full on fight. Everyone starts fighting. We even see Terry Funk knock out Henry Kingy, which who we saw in Vampires and Predator Two. Uh, he's the Colombian guy at the beginning of Predator Two that like does cocaine. He's like Scorpion is ready, and there's other connections yeah. to Predator Two because and with this movie because uh, Patrick Swayze was supposed to play the role that. Um, uh, Danny Glover played, and he was supposed to be Dutch's brother in that movie, which I actually never knew until I started doing the hmm. research on this one. So, which wow. is interesting because the old Dark Horse Predator comics that first series where the movie Predator 2 kind of took a lot from, that is Dutch's brother. He's like a cop in New York or L.A., actually. But it is, it's Dutch's brother. And so Patrick Swayze was originally going to play that role. He hurt his knee making this movie. And then when did Ghost instead, which is probably better for his career, I think, arguably.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yep. That that would have been a whole different kind of focus. Yep. But it's cool to think that he was up for that role, but... Uh, and, and you brought up the Tingy uh, character, actor, stuntman. Yeah. He's good buddies with Branscom Richmond. Yeah. Um, and Branscombe Richmond did some of the stunts for this for this film. Branscom Richmond, of course, comes up in almost every single thing we talk about on $2 Late v n and podcasting after Dark to some degree. He
1: came up in our last crossover event, the Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. He was in that. He sure did. Yes, he was. So chaos ensues, you know. Tillman hears the commotion and goes to his window and sees the madness. Dalton just stands there and chuckles while dodging bottles being thrown. We even see Carrie Ann knock some guy out. (laughs) Cody and his band keep playing. Dalton looks up and sees Tillman watching. The owner signals for Dalton to come to his office.
0: I love how he, like, signals for him to come into his office in the middle of this melee. we just like... It's all right. Yeah. Don't worry. Yep. <laughs> You're not on the clock yet, so uh, just <laughs> let the chaos ensue. Let things get broken in my bar.
1: Yeah. Sometime passes and the bar is closed and people are cleaning up and tending to their wounds. Dalton walks out of Tillman's office and Terry Funk asks if he's going to help them or not. Dalton says he'll let him know. Terry Funk says, I heard you had balls big enough to come in a
0: dump truck, but you don't look like much to me. Dalton says... Opinions vary. I love that line, by the way. I love that line. Any opportunity I get.
1: Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's an awesome line. Dalton says goodbye to Cody and leaves the bar. Terry Funk asks Cody what Dalton's story is. The story is, you fuck with him, and he'll seal your fate. (laughs) And And, of course, like, I mean, I was not expecting, again, the first time I watched it, and obviously go listen to the last episode, but I'm never expecting Jeff Healy's voice to come out of his face,
2: <laughs> right? You expect it to come out of his butt.
0: <laughs>
1: there you go. <laughs> yep,
0: true, true. The uh, next before th- before I lose this because it's gonna escape me down the road. Uh, Will Hoyt, by the way, uh, the the waitress. Mm-hmm. I always get her confused with Caroline Williams, who who was in uh, who played Stretch in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, they yeah. Have a
0: similar look in those movies with that floppy kind of straight hair, that you know mm-hmm. kind of thing. And
1: but yeah, I, I can see that, buddy. I can definitely see that. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, Dalton rolls into a used car lot looking for a beater to drive while he parks his Mercedes someplace safe. He buys a 1965 Buick Riviera with clamshell headlight covers. Oh, beautiful. And that's the only year that they had those clamshell covers. He then goes to a junkyard and picks up four spare tires and puts them in the trunk.
0: Remember the good old days when you could buy four spare tires for... (laughs) It's like, I mean...
2: Yeah, right. That's like $400. I'm being kind
0: of serious right now. There was a time when you could just do that. You could just go to a junkyard and pick up some old tires and be like, that'd be good to go.
2: Yep. Yeah. I, I do appreciate that every interaction, every business transaction that Dalton has lasts about 20 seconds, right? (laughs) Like it's, he's, I'll take it. I need it. Right. There's no, he never negotiates. He just gives a little smile, throws a wad of cash somewhere. Um, you're kind of like, Oh, all right. right, Fine. You know,
0: well, $500 Uh, a night. Uh, $500 a night in 1989 that's a lot of cash in He's Jasper getting...
2: Missouri fictional <laughs> yeah. Jasper Missouri yeah
0: five grand up front
1: yeah Ruffa. yeah no that's that's pretty amazing and yeah Dustin to your point um, and again I you know I didn't watch this when I was younger but I think younger Corey would have liked it because my favorite characters were people like Max Rokotansky, you know Mad Max uh, Boba Fett uh, Kyle Reese uh, Dwayne Hicks from Aliens. And, and these are all characters that I would love to be like, but I'm nothing like, because they're all like sort of to the point And, you know, I know what I want. And I'm, you know, that type of thing and everything. And, and they're cool. I'm absolutely 100% nothing like any of those guys, but I, I always looked up to them. And I think Dalton is that same cool, cut from the same cool cloth as all of them. Where, yeah, he's like, I know what I need. I know what I want. Uh, here's the cash. Yeah. Like that's it. There's nothing else to it, and I like that. It's very it's simplistic, but not in a bad way. There there's a lot of depth to Dalton, but I like how this moment, these moments are simplistic. It just is what it is.
2: Yeah, he's never like, well, what's the blue book value of this car? Am I, you know, he doesn't even care if he's getting ripped off, really, because he's like supporting. You know, it's kind of like Tillman, where you were saying like, oh, I think he's kind of a scumbag. Like you kind of think that the used car salesman, because he's a used car salesman is also a scumbag.
0: Well, he kind of looks like one stereotypically. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And he's so excited. He's like, you know,
0: oh, Dalton's here. I
2: mean, whatever. I got a sale. Um, But yeah, Dalton doesn't, doesn't really care. And Corey, I think you can, you can be that way. You can just choose to be that way. Just make.
1: (laughs) I could choose to be cooler.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you could just choose to, you know, have that, have that attitude of like, I don't care. I mean, again, Dalton's a fictional character. So, uh, you know, who's making $500 a night in 1989, you know, um, (laughs) you know, it serves his purpose. He doesn't he doesn't really care. He knows the car is going to get fucked the fuck up, which is why a, a normal person would probably be like,
1: well, right yeah. Do I w-
2: really want this one, or I just need a reliable car? I mean, I got to get to work, but then you know, if they fuck it up, then I, you know. Anyway, that's right. That's Is there
0: undercoding on right. This that's thing? the <laughs> overthinking
2: of of any normal person. But you could just be like, yeah, you could just start doing it in small decision making processes in your life.
1: So, so what what would Dalton do? So it's W W D D. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I right, like you just that. be like
2: coffee, black, or whatever, black. Or, 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 or even if you want things in it, you could just. You know, you're not going to you're never going to look at a menu and go, I don't know. Should I have he would not be like, Should, what do you recommend the tuna melt or the cheeseburger? You know, he would just be like
0: tuna and rye.
2: I don't know. What what would what, what, what Dalton order in a diner? Probably just some meat. <laughs> egg,
0: egg salad. <laughs> Someone egg salad. needs
1: to, to write this like the the towel of Dalton
0: or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure there's there's got to be a book out there. Yeah. Like that. Yeah.
1: Because I mean, there's like the Tao of poo and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. no, yeah, D- Dustin, you're right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start utilizing it uh, tomorrow, not, not Great. today. <laughs> Great. Yeah.
2: Start with breakfast and see where you go.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, we see Dalton drive the Buick to a quaint little farmhouse in the country. It has a barn in the back. Dalton asks the owner, Emmett, uh, Sunshine Dalton, I believe, is the actor's name, uh, about the room he has for rent. Em- Emmett takes him back to the barn and shows him the converted loft. It's very open with no door, but it's still, like, a super cool place. And we kind of talked about how cool it was on the last episode, so I'll leave that uh, for you guys Just to check screens. out. Just need screens. Just
0: missing screens, y'all. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Dalton opens the window and looks out. He sees a mansion across the pond and a helicopter coming right at them. The, yeah. the vehicle buzzes the farm and causes the horses to become agitated. Emmett says, God damn it, then goes racing downstairs. In the helicopter, we see Brad Wesley, Ben Gazzara, smiling at the the minor chaos he's caused. The helicopter lands in the backyard of the mansion, and Brad Wesley is greeted by his goons. Back at the farm, Dalton is helping Emmett calm down the horses. The older man says that he swears Brad Wesley just does that to piss him off. Emmett and Dalton take a liking to each other, and the young younger cooler says he'll rent the barn loft. Emmett says, it ain't about the money. But if I don't charge you something, the Presbyterians around here are likely to pray for my ruination. How does $100 a month strike you? Dalton agrees and says, if it keeps you in the good graces of the church. To which Emmett replies, ain't it peculiar how money seems to do that very thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what? that guy was in Sundown, The what was it the Vampire in Retreat? Did you ever see that,
0: Zach? I've heard of it. I don't think I actually have ever seen it.
1: I think uh, Keno put out a Blu-ray and uh, I, I picked it up used at the used Blu-ray store for like five bucks. I haven't watched it yet, but it has Bruce Campbell in it. So I was like, oh, that's worth five bucks right there.
0: Yeah. You know, and then the whole time we're, we're talking about these characters and whatnot and and we might've, we've already said that this is a modern day Western really, you know, he's, he's, it, you know, if this was uh came out 20 years earlier it would be the man with no name. Right. You know, and he'd be Clint Eastwood coming in with no knowing the reputation, but not knowing the man. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, high Plains Drifter kind of deal. Right. Um, so it, it's interesting, too. You're taking these kind of stereotypical type characters and you're making them sympathetic. Like the car dealer, this old man, the old coot, you know, Ooh, coot, coot, coot would be the guy that you just, it was like annoying. And this guy is kind of sweet. Yeah. So.
1: And really, in the movie, the only bad guys are Brad Wesley and his goons. Like, everyone yeah, else seems yeah. pretty cool.
0: Yeah, they're doing kind of a good job of humanizing people that get a bad rap, a la what I was throwing people under the bus in the beginning of this movie. Right. I, and of course, I'm joking, everybody. You of know course. I'm joking.
1: Too late, buddy. You're already canceled, my man.
0: Whatever. Canceled. I love WWF. Come on, I have a show called Territory Marks about '80s wrestling. It doesn't get more white trash than that. I,
1: I love how Zach is <laughs> keeps going off on the fictional, like him getting berated, and then somehow makes it worse for himself by calling it white trash. <laughs> I, I,
0: I, I identify at times. <laughs>
1: I'm going to move on to keep you out of trouble. How about that? Okay, Cooter. <laughs> Crazy Cooter coming at you sideways. Whoa! Oh Enos. <laughs> uh, I, dude, Enos. I grew up on Dukes of Hazzard. I, I got a little white trash in me, too, baby. I now. know we all do. We all do.
0: We all do, guys. I, I had a dream that. I had a dream. I, I had a swear to God. I had a dream the other night that I was driving a. Con- <laughs> General Lee.
1: Oh, that would, that would be baller, dude. That would be freaking baller. Too bad that show is. I guess it can never exist just like uh, the Cosby show we can never have it again because they just it's just over. That era is over, it's done. Yeah.
2: Were you about to say I was driving a Confederate flag?
0: <laughs> no, I was driving the General Lee, oh, okay. which which of course has a yeah. but the chop but the top was chopped out and it was a kids version of it. So I was actually sitting out like a picture a little mini version of it with the top chopped off and I'm sitting in the top.
1: I had the big general, the plastic e toy when I was a kid. The Me one, too, the, with the figures. Well, yeah, well, I didn't have the figures, but the the top would pop off, so you could right. you know slide them in and everything. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it had the sticker, you know, the Confederate yep. flag sticker yep. on the top. I mean, it is what it is. What are you gonna do? You yep. know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Cut to that night at the Double Deuce, and Tillman is showing everyone a blue a blueprint of what the new building will look like and the plans he has for the bar. Everyone on staff is sitting in chairs, and Dalton is standing on the stairs behind the owner. Tillman says, I've put a lot of money into this, and to protect my investment, I've hired the best damn cooler in the business. He motions back to Dalton and continues. From now on, he's in charge of all the bar business. What he says goes. Dalton looks at the staff and smiles. Then he says, Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade. Terry Funk gets into Dalton's face, but Tillman diffuses the conflict by hand- handing Morgan his final pay. The now ex-bouncer tells Dalton he's a dead man before grabbing his money and leaving. Dalton fires a female waiter for selling drugs. She takes the money. Can, huh?
0: Can I roll back really yeah, quick? Yeah. Because, because, of course, Morgan says, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. And Dalton, of course, gives that famous line, there's always barber college. Because <laughs> he's got a big mop of hair and everything.
1: Uh, I I think this is funny. So Dalton fires a female waiter, I guess for selling drugs. She takes some money and shoulder checks Dalton, but literally he doesn't move at all to the point where the actress, you know, she shoulder checks him. She kind of bounces off of him. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) It's great. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, So Dalton looks at the group and says, I'm telling you straight. It's either my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, Do it now. No one says shit. Dalton says that people who really want to have a good time won't come to a slaughterhouse. And they have entirely too many troublemakers at the double deuce.
4: Too many uh, 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. It's going to change. Man, that sure sounds good. But a lot of the guys who come in here, we can't handle one-on-one. Even two on one. Don't worry about it. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One: never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. Come on. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a cocksucker, I want you to be nice. Okay. Ask him to walk, but be nice. If he won't walk, walk him, but be nice. If you can't walk him, one of the others will help you, and you'll both be nice. I want you to remember that it's a job. It's nothing personal. Uh-huh. And called a cocksucker and impersonal? No. It's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. I wonder if somebody calls my mama a whore.
3: <laughs>
4: is she? <laughs> I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice.
3: Well, uh, how are we supposed to know when that is?
4: You won't. I'll let you know. You are the bouncers. I am the cooler. All you have to do is watch my back and each other's.
1: And take out the trash. I will say real quick, I take exception to the jab about 40-year-old adolescents. <laughs> but as a whole, this whole be nice scene, Dustin, I think it sets up, obviously, it's it's the other piece to what we need to understand Dalton. We've seen him in action. We know he's capable. Now we learn his mentality. So what uh, thoughts on the whole be nice uh, uh speech that he gives?
2: Right. It goes against everything that these bouncers have been taught about being a bouncer. Uh right. They're 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 confused, right? What do you what do you mean be nice? We we gotta diffuse the situation. But it really Speaks to him as kind of this, you know, Zen master, this Phil Jackson-like presence who, uh, you know, meditates, does Tai Chi, um, really approaches his whole life like an art or like a journey or like a, you know, he's not, he doesn't take anything personally as he instructs them not to. And... That's kind of the whole thing of life, right there. Really, you could take <laughs> you could take those, you know, those those uh, like you were saying the the Tao of Dalton. It's like you could really take any of those ideals and uh, build on them very deeply. You could go very very deep, uh, but the idea that uh, you know th- these guys they can't even think in these terms, and thus begins you know the beginning of the, of the journey for them where it is almost like sensei oh you know either, either you're either you're on board or you're not
1: and that's a great point dustin like it's weird we don't see it as much like it's not as in our face but it is there these bouncers and this whole bar it's on just as much of a journey as dalton is
0: yes i was just thinking you know if if oftentimes when you don't like something about someone. There's something in you that's reflecting back about that person, right? Something that's bugging you about that person, what is it about that person that maybe you see inside yourself? And uh I love that when Steve is like, "Well, what if, you know, what if someone calls my mom a whore?" <laughs> right? <laughs> and then you and then Dalton says, "Well, is she?" Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you're like, "Well, there's a little like actually he's he's not he's being a little bit of a jerk, but maybe he's being truthful too. Like, well, think about it. <laughs> you know, is is it enough to make you offended? Is it enough to make you get upset or is it true or whatever? You know?
1: And that's the thing. Like, yeah, like we've all been taught like, Oh, words are just words, but we all know that when someone says something to us, like what if they call you a liar and you know, you're not lying, you get upset, right? It words have, you know, effect on other people. And, you know, but, Dalton's not wrong, especially when those actions can lead to somebody being harmed very badly or even killed, then maybe it is better to just swallow your pride and, and not engage. And he also looks at
0: it as a business, right? You're getting paid to do this job. You're not getting you're, if, if you weren't getting paid and you're just a dude blowing off testosterone and energy. That'd be a different story. But this is your job. Take your job seriously. Don't mess around, Steve, which you're gonna do pretty soon. Yep. I love Steve, by the way. Yep. Um, and and you know, that's the way he approaches it. It's like take it seriously. Take your job seriously. If you take it seriously, it'll be a TGI Fridays in a week. It'll be an Applebee's in no time. <laughs> be, you'll get your mozzarella sticks and mm-hmm. your pretzel bites. Yep.
2: <laughs> it's just a job. That's literally it. It's just a job. There's nothing personal. You're escorting the troublemaker out, so he's going to turn on you, but your goal... Let it roll over you. Let it roll over you and just get, you know, and diffuse.
1: Yep.
0: Like the train song. Let it roll into you. I'll be your caffeine, baby.
1: (laughs) Cut to Cody and the band playing while all the patrons are dancing and having a good time. Dalton is posted up at the bar in a black t-shirt watching The Happenings. The Happenings, it's a terrible movie, by the way, The Happening.
0: Oh, it's god awful. <laughs>
1: we see one of the shitty bouncers, Steve, allow some, I think they're supposed to be underage girls in the bar because um, they don't have like an ID or something. Uh, the bigger bouncer, Jack, tries to stop him. And again, Jack Loki is one of my favorite of the side characters. Dalton also witnesses the bartender stealing from the register by not ringing up the sale and pocketing the money. When a lady. Did we
0: call out, by the way? Sorry, did we call out, by the way, that that's John Doe? I, I mean, I know we mentioned in the proper episode. Yeah, but-
1: I think, yeah, I think in my breakdown, once he starts, you know, giving Dalton flack, I start mentioning him by name, Pat McGurd. But yeah, okay. so the bartender. Is his name's Pat, and I think Zach. This is all takes place before I texted you because remember I was like, "Hey Zach, is is John Doe the bartender? Is that you know?" And you're like, "Yeah." And I think this was I was taking my notes before I sort of found that oh, out. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's John Doe, and the character's name is Pat McGird. When a lady climbs up on one of the tables to dance, Dalton signals to Hank and one of his better bouncers uh, to take care of it. Hank attempts, and that's the one we were talking about earlier. The that has well a horrible end the actor has a horrible end in real life unfortunately jesus hank attempts to defuse the situation like dalton tells him to but gets punched in the process as he recovers the guy that punched him pulls a knife on hank but dalton catches his hand and smashes his face through a table hank and another bouncer escort the concussed patron out cody hears someone in the crowd ask who that was and he says the name is dalton and everyone cheers And I like that. uh, Two things I like about the scene. One, it shows that he's got his bouncers back. And and two,
0: man, he puts that guy's
1: fucking face
0: to the table. That's awesome. It's one of the first moments where it shows how badass Dalton is, a.k.a. Patrick Swayze. Because Patrick Swayze is a proficient martial artist as well. People, you know, maybe don't remember the fact that he, he... He did a lot of training to get to this role. He didn't just go in and go, okay. Well, just teach me something, shot for shot. You know, he he was a badass.
2: Yeah, it's very efficient. uh, The move it's 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 almost uh, it's almost like a dance, really. And he's also a dancer. Um, Yes. Right. Let me take you. Let me stop the knife, or let me you know. Let me just let me. It's all one move, pretty much.
1: Yes. Yeah, and that's what's really really cool about it. Um, so one of the people that trained him is Benny Yurkowitz. Oh, you're, 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 you're,
0: the, no, uh, the Jet Urquides. Urquides. Okay. Benny the Jet Urquides. The Jet baby. U- U- okay Quidas.
1: Yeah. Quidas. And you see him briefly in the in the movie um, at the when when the monster truck destroys the dealership. Um, But if you want to see him get more screen time, go watch Gross Point Blank Uh, because he plays one of the hitmen in that at the school. Uh, but he also trained he trained John Cusack in that movie too so that's why he was sort of in that scene
0: well if you want and if you want to see even even more of Benny the Jet or Quidas uh check out any of the movies he did with uh Jackie Chan back in the day because uh one in I think one is called Wheels on Meals or Meals on Wheels uh with Sammo Hung I think is also in that man Benny the Jet is a bad ass yeah like legit bad ass he does so much behind the scenes stuff um you know in 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 he's a he's a champion fighter black belt multiple time champion um every awesome 80s and 90s action movie he was a part of he you know he's just he's he's just a legend he's a legend in the business he's buddies with richard norton isn't he richard norton cynthia rothrock yeah. uh obviously jackie chan don the dragon wilson yeah he's a part of that He's part of that whole crew. Pick up
2: any issue of Black Belt Magazine from 1980 through 1995. Yeah, and he's in it. Yeah, and he's like on the cover.
1: <laughs> yeah, I always, I always know him as as that hitman from Gross Point Blank. That's kind oh, of where I really movie. noticed him.
0: He's great in that, but I will say his one of my favorite fight scenes is on is in Wheels on Meals. Uh, if you've never seen that, go check that out. That's a great, that's a great Jackie Chan uh, Samuel Hung film, and Force Five with Richard Norton as well. Okay, very cool, very
1: cool. In the back room, Dalton walks in on Steve, the shitty bouncer, fucking one of the girls he let in, and fires him on the spot. Steve says, "But I'm on but I'm on my break." He says, "Dalton says, stay on it."
0: It's one of the best. It's so funny. Because the, the girl so he's having
1: sex with, she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know? Well, she's
0: she looks like she's trying not to laugh yeah. and say, oh, shit, at the same time. And he's completely buck naked. Yeah. She's not. She's partially naked. But he's buck naked. Buck naked. Full on. You see, you know, partial peen. Yeah. Uh, it is hilarious. That dude, it's just one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's so funny.
1: It's now after hours of the double deuce and Dalton approaches the bartender, Pat McGurn, John Doe. this is so now I've discovered in the breakdown. Now I've discovered his name. Oh shit. It's John Doe. <laughs> to talk about his shady dealings. You got quite a little enterprise going on here. You're going through a bottle every 30 minutes. You're skimming the till for six shots, a bottle on drafts. One, every 10 Tillman hears this and walks over. I figure he's costing you about $150 a night. Pat the bartender says, so? Dalton says, so consider it your severance paid. Take the train. Pat looks at Tillman and says, I didn't hear you say that. The owner replies, well, I'm saying it now. Get out. Pat throws his rag at Tillman and laughs as he leaves. Tillman's spirits are still high. Well, it was a good night. Nobody died. Dalton looks serious and says, it'll get worse before it gets better.
2: It's almost like Tillman inherited this bar, isn't it? It Yeah, it, totally. It, like he got it in an auction or something. It really just it's so it's so strange to me that all of these guys who we later learn are connected to Brad Wesley. I just don't understand why they even care. Like why they like what am I supposed to do? It's like what do you mean? What are you supposed to do? Like you can easily get a job from the richest man in town who needs thugs all the, <laughs> yeah, he needs a constant supply of thugs. I just don't, I just don't understand, um, you know, the annoyance other than the stranger has come in and, like, you know, just one by one dismantled, called them on their shit.
1: Yeah. Messed up the status quo. I, th- yeah. I mean, I think people get, you know, they get locked into their status quo. Everyone loves their status quo and everything. But yeah, Morgan, Morgan clearly can easily just go get a job with, with, you know, Pat or Brad Wesley, but, you know, he doesn't want that. He wants to just be at the bar, chucking people around, making money, meeting, you know, hanging out with people. Kind of when you're hanging out with Brad Wesley, you're just hanging out with a bunch of sausage. Maybe once in a blue moon, there'll be a party that we see. Mm. But I think most of the time, you're just hanging out with sausage the entire time. I don't think I don't Morgan know. wants to hang out with that much sausage. You
2: well, know? I mean, but but really, it's only sausage on the work days because, you know, when they're, when they're partying, it is, there is like an entourage of yeah. battered women and um you know
0: god <laughs> <laughs> makes me wonder though if the backstory with him is is uh you know wesley's like i made a promise that you had to get a job that you had to do something you know and this is the one thing you're good at so god damn it go out and do it
1: now you are you, for, are you referring fuck- to pat pat McGurn?
0: Uh, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about Wesley talking. Yeah, yeah, talking about Pat McGurn. Right, McDermott, right, because that's you know?
1: his nephew. We'll find out that that's his nephew and everything. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what I'm talking. About. <clears throat> I'm saying in t- in regards to why like he would want to have a job while he has to ha- why he has to work. Yeah, uh, and then also I get the sense too that like, you know, there's there I guess these guys have morals. You know, the uh, the owners of all these properties and that, and that Wesley has zero morals.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I still I still have a little bit of a problem at the end when they kind of gun him down in cold blood. Kinda. As far as like connecting with them as the quote unquote heroes, you know? Spoiler. But, you know, yeah, we can, we'll get to that when we, we get to that. Um, <laughs> That's
2: three hours from now, guys. So just, <laughs> yes, yes, just stay is. tuned. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Much to Dustin's chagrin. Cut to Dalton leaving the double deuce and walking into the parking lot. He sees the tires on his Buick have been slashed and the windshield smashed in. He just chuckles to himself and walks home so now we know why he had to buy buy the beater cut to a rowdy late night pool party at brad wesley's mansion across from emmett's place dalton watches from his loft as the festivities rage on we see that terry funks morgan is partying up with his new friends which include tough guy jimmy played by marshall teague and you will hear that interview with him next week
0: If you think you know Marshall Teague or don't know Marshall Teague, wait until next week. Wait until
1: I bring up Firebirds.
0: (laughs) Wait until I bring up... Wait until you bring up Werewolf. Yeah, the Werewolf. Wait until... uh, I just started
2: listening to this show tonight, guys. I just wanted to call in. I'm not a smart man, but I do know that I love Roadhouse, and uh, you guys are doing a great job. Thanks for having me. And... uh, Do you have any uh do, do you have any uh, uh I I don't know something I can just shove into my in the back of my truck You you have any 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 mufflers in the shape of
0: testicles or
1: <laughs> I don't know big dang dangling metal metal
0: testicles Well you know <laughs> you're allowing me to drop my guard and reveal my true voice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is podcasting after dark, and mm-hmm, this is the podcast where we talk about Roadhouse and invite anybody on the show who wants to talk about Iron Eagle or the WWF. Mm-hmm.
2: that's it. Slingbait rules.
0: I was looking for it, man. I was looking for it. And you brought it out of me, Dustin, so thank you. And, mm.
1: and you both officially got
0: us canceled. Thank you.
1: <laughs> in the South. You got us canceled in the South. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: Sorry, 50% of the population apparently yep. in this country will not listen to us now. Oh!
1: The next morning, Dalton is woken up by Carrie Ann calling out for him from the barn below. She walks us upstairs. She's not Caroline Williams. No, no. She walks upstairs uh, to his loft with a big bag of breakfast. He gets out of bed naked, and Carrie Ann gasps when she sees his butt and all the scars <laughs> on his body. Now, I will say, when he... He kind of, like, composes himself, but when he first sees her or hears her and she kind of doesn't see him, I feel like that it was a cool moment because he is totally, like, eye-rolling. He's like, fucking shit. Like, I wanted this to be my my space and now arguably probably the most annoying character in the movie, although she's not that annoying, but she's probably one of the more annoying characters in his life at this point. He's like, fucking really? She showed up, but I like how... She didn't see that reaction from him. He kind of composes himself afterwards, but I liked us as the viewer seeing that annoy annoyance on his face.
2: Yeah, she's she's kind of like the the girl that ends up with your friend who's like really really shy. You yeah. know, like he's the, the friend who's like he can't even he's so introverted and then like he's like I have a new girlfriend and like then she shows up and you're like what the hell? Like she just dominates yeah, the, every conversation because she's all super, personality. You know? Oh yeah, and it's super weird relationship. And you're like, what's going on here? Um, and like, he doesn't make any decisions, and she's just so yeah. That's kind of what she is to me. Um, and Dalton kind of sees through that, and he's just like, ugh. Like, yeah, she's talking to him. She's the first one to talk to him, and you would think he'd be like, hey, what's the scene like here? But he's just like, ugh.
1: But I mean, he's clocked her from from yeah. day one as you know what. I mean, she's nice enough, but, yeah, yeah, she's a bit annoying.
0: Well, I think, too, he doesn't want to sleep where he shits or vice versa. Yeah. You know, and and he's having – and you you, when you're at work and you have to deal with all these people, he doesn't want to have to see the people that he just dealt with a couple hours earlier. Yeah. Like, I I feel that, you know, when you're at work and you go home at the end of the day and you're like, God damn, I don't want to see these people again.
2: Do you think that coolers have, like, a certain guarantee in their contracts, like – I'm going to turn this place around in X amount of, you know, because you can't mm. just have like an open ended budget of like.
1: Good question. Right, like, $500 right, yeah, like five hundred dollars a night for yeah, forever. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, what's what's the cutoff? Like, at some point, if this isn't working, can we just terminate it like on the spot type
0: of thing? That's a really good point because five hundred dollars a night is a lot of money, period. Like whether it's eighty nine or twenty yeah, yeah, twenty three, even now, it's a, money. Money. Yeah. it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, and. And we never established how long he's going to do this for.
2: Right. What's the average turnaround time? Well, it depends on a couple of factors. Good question. You know, I've got X amount in my budget for
0: you. I'll give you a month. I'll give you 30 days.
1: I would, I actually, I like that, Zach. I would have liked to have heard Tillman say something to that effect. I give you two months. I give you 30. You know, something, some kind of like if you can't do it, which also would put a little bit of a, a you know, some stress, like some, some, create some drama, you know, for, for Dalton. But, they're never really, in the regard of fixing up the double deuce, there's never really that much drama from Dalton in that regard.
0: And is it seven nights a week? Right. Or, or is, is it, it just
1: it... four nights a week? Is it three nights a week? Is it just the weekends? Like, yeah, what is it?
0: Yeah. What about the buffets on Sunday? Right, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. What are the hours? The Gospel Sunday? Yeah.
2: What are the hours? If he leaves and the bar fails immediately, do they call him up and, like, ask for a
1: refund? Right. Right. Does he have to have sex with Carrie Ann, or can he just blow her off, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so Dalton asks how she found him. She stammers and says it wasn't too hard, of course, kind of making a little joke about him. Uh, I followed you home. Yeah. Dalton lights up a cigarette like a true man in the 80s, while, <laughs> Ca- while Carrie Ann asks him what he did, what he did at the bar last night. Dalton asks what she means. He goes, you fired the bartender, Pat. Dalton says he was skimming. carrie laughs and says, "She, he shouldn't have done that. She brings him his food, and Dalton sort of throws away the donut or whatever the hell that is and just drinks the coffee. Again, yep. like, a, like a true man. Carrie- Black like coffee and cigarettes. <laughs> yeah.
0: That won't cause cancer. Oh,
1: God. I, I haven't smoked in, I think, almost close to 10 years now, but I will tell you, every single day, I miss coffee and cigarettes. It's the best combination
0: in the world. Didn't Squeeze sing a song about that? Isn't
2: that an ice cream flavor?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cold, uh, uh, Salt and Straw makes it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's same it's, one. That it's like, like $50. Yeah. It's it
1: actually back. has cigarette butts in it, too. <laughs>
2: Maybe those Baskin-Robbins <laughs> gift cards you got, Zach will...
3: It don't work that.
1: there, bro. <laughs> Insert Captain America GIF. I understood that reference. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's America's ass right there. <laughs> That's right, baby. Oh, so she Carrie, uh, Carrianne laughs, laughs herself and says she's looking at a dead man. Dalton shakes his head and says, Seems everywhere I go I hear that same joke. And she says, Yeah? Well, some something tells me you bring it on yourself. Which is, I, I, it's funny because I actually like their interaction, but there really isn't much more of Carrie Ann after have, this.
0: I would have loved if he said, if, if she said, you bring it on yourself, and he's like, well, no one invited you over to my house, so get out. Get <laughs>
2: out, bitch. Like, what? And then he just started punching her in the face, and you're like, <laughs> <She's> like whoa. <laughs>
0: What's happening? Whoa. whoa. What?
2: This movie mm-hmm. took a turn.
0: We call that a potato. mm <laughs> uh-huh. Cut to Brad
1: Wesley. (laughs) This scene is wild. Driving his Mustang convertible down a long stretch of road while he sings Shaboom. He's purposefully swerving in and out of the lanes as if he owns the road. We see Dalton driving his Buick heading towards Brad, but the rich bastard doesn't even bother to get back in his lane. Dalton has to drive on the shoulder to not not be hit by the Mustang. Brad just looks at him and keeps on singing. And I think this scene sums up everything about Brad Wesley.
2: Sure does.
0: Yep, yep, it, it does. Uh, and it shows him as being kind of a goofy character, but then you're like, but he's goofy with, like, he has he can do whatever the hell he wants.
1: I think what the most important aspect of it is, you can tell that Brad Wesley sees Dalton coming and doesn't change course. He's not, like, goofy and in, in his head, he doesn't give a shit because he's so rich and powerful there that in because when Dalton has to drive on the curb, he looks at him. He's like, see what I did there? And and he's such a he's such a piece of shit because he revels in minor annoyances, like with the helicopter and the, the horses and everything. And this he's not he just does. He doesn't just revel in the big things. He revels in minor chaos. And I think that shows that he's a major piece of shit. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and and in 2 weeks you'll hear from Marshall Teague uh his take on Ben Gazzara yeah. and Ben Gazzara as a method actor.
1: Yes. Yes. It's it's a great Very con- much so. great convo.
0: Yep. Cut to
1: Dalton sitting on his car outside of Red's Auto Parts waiting for Red to open the shop. The business is across the way from the Double Deuce. Red greets Dalton in the parking lot by saying, "A new windshield's going to cost you more than that old beater's worth. My advice would be to scrap her." Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) The cooler says, well, I like her, so order me a new one, would you? Red said it'll take him a few days and unlocks the door. You the boy from the Double Deuce? Yes, sir. Red says he kind of figured Dalton would be by sooner or later. They shake hands and introduce each other. Red asks Dalton how long he'll be in town. Not very long. Red says, that's what I said 25 years ago. Dalton asks what happened. I got married to an ugly woman. Don't ever do that. It just takes the energy right out of you. Dalton laughs and says, Dalton laughs and he goes on. She left me though, found someone even uglier than she was. That's life. Who can explain it? Dalton red red hands Dalton a new radio antenna and he pays, pays the store owner. Just then we see Brad Wesley and Jimmy walk into the auto shop. Brad goes right up to Dalton and, and introduces himself. Red says that Dalton is working at the Double Deuce. Brad says that's great. He hopes he cleans the place up. Dalton thanks Red and walks out of the store, but not without exchanging mean looks with Jimmy. After Dalton leaves, Brad looks at Red and says, beautiful day, isn't it? Red says, was. So, Dustin... Talk about red. I think he's a cool character. What are, what are your thoughts on him?
2: Yeah. I mean, red, I think is the, <clears throat> maybe the first character or second, right? Cause we have Emmett over at the barn. Yeah. Yeah. These kind of, these soft spoken elderly white guys who, right. Have been in the town. They're kind of the heart of the town. And we know that, uh, there's this presence of fear, uh, established by Brad Wesley. Um, but yeah, Red. I mean, you know, Red is Red is certainly up there in my most likable characters. Yeah. Uh, we haven't yet been introduced to my favorite character, oh. but um, oh. but I think uh, you know it's it's kind of like these guys. We talked when you mentioned status quo. That's what their lives are, right? They just kind of go to work. They're in this town that they don't necessarily even love as red has just explained i just passing through ended up here um but uh certainly things were much better before brad wesley came around it's evident it's clear and um yeah and uh so you immediately like red because he and dalton have this great interaction and um yeah slowly we're introduced to kind of that that circle of uh, circle of townsfolk, yeah, who uh, who all kind of support each other. Uh, and I'm not familiar with Red, but he is he is certainly an identifiable actor.
0: Well, I, I want to point out that Red, played by Red West, it, and I mentioned this in the previous episode. He was one of Elvis's guys. Oh, right, right, right. right. He was right, yeah. in. Elvis was in 30, almost 30 movies, by the way, where he was the lead actor. Yeah. That's insane if you think about that, guys. Like, as a Don't musician, thir- <laughs> almost 30. And he was in almost all of those movies. At, but Red West has been in over 100 projects, wow. television and movies. Um, I mean, that that's impressive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and it's everything from, like... Mainstream six million dollar man, Fall Guy type stuff, Night Rider, to you know like uh, Roadhouse, obviously, and uh, and Natural Born Killers, mm. Walking Tall, which we mentioned, which we mentioned in the previous episode as well. So I I don't know, that's pretty badass. Red West is uh he's had a great career, and I've, he died. He died oh, in 2017. By God, the way, at I the age of swear
2: you were gonna say he's still alive. By the way, <laughs> and you're with, a, I was, with a smile <laughs> like that was coming.
0: I was, I was still
2: alive, I, by the way. Can mm, you believe
0: it? I was teasing. I was teasing
1: you. And mm-hmm. I would say that the three of us all took Red's advice because we all three of us have very beautiful wives. So, and our energy levels are very high because of it.
0: Yeah. And if you got an <laughs> ugly wife, don't call her ugly. I know. Okay? Like, <laughs> I, I fuck, think he fuck meant, fuck I off. think he meant
1: like she, her soul type of thing. You know I what know. I mean? I'm just,
0: yeah. Her soul was ugly. Well, <laughs> she, le- she
2: left him. So, you know, it's like. Yeah. All bets are off. Uh,
0: Y'all, if you think your wife is ugly inside or out, then time to move on. Mm -hmm. on. Find some taters and make yourself happy with an Iron Eagle movie. (laughs) No retreat, no surrender.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cut to Emmett looking at the Mercedes Dalton has under a tarp in his barn. Then he looks out back and sees Dalton doing Tai Chi shirtless in the morning sun. Oh, boy. Ow, baby. Brad Wesley also watches Dalton from his property across the pond. Sure he did. The moral of this story is no amount of Tai Chi will save you from cancer. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Jesus Christ.
0: Sorry. Boom, 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 boom. Did you hear that? Corey (laughs) just ran himself over. Now now
1: I'm canceled. Now all three of us are officially canceled. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I wouldn't make that joke if it was the last joke I could make. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At the double deuce, Cody and his band are playing One Foot in the Grave. We see Dalton go into Tillman's office and the ex-bartender Pat and two of Brad Wesley's goons are trying to intimidate the owner. The goons are O'Connor and Tinker, as which I guess Tinker is the bizarro version of Jack because he's the, he's the heavy goon for Brad Wesley. Yeah. As Pat and Dalton get into it, the taller goon, O'Connor, explains the situation. Mr. Tillman has changed his mind, and that's all you need to know, son. Tillman is sitting in his chair, very tight-lipped. Dalton says he'll have to know a little bit more than that. O'Connor goes on, Mr. Tillman may own this bar, but the liquor he serves is supplied to him by Brad Wesley. Now, Pat McGurn is in the employ of Mr. Wesley, his uncle, not Mr. Tillman. Pat chimes in with, You see, I'm staying, and you're going. Then Pat pulls out a giant crocodile Dundee-sized knife and takes a swipe at Dalton with it, which the cooler easily dodges. Pat talks a big game, but Dalton dispatches him and his knife through Tillman's window, sending the ex-bartender into the bar proper. Dalton rams O'Connor into a wall while the heavier goon, Tinker, punches Tillman in the stomach and slices Dalton in the side with his knife. Dalton's fellow bouncers see the commotion and come to his aid just as he and O'Connor go through the window that Dalton tossed Pat McGird through. Two bouncers fight fight Fat Goon Tinker in the office, while Dalton introduces O'Connor to the find out phase. After everything is said and done, Dalton and Tillman are pretty fucked up and Tillman's office window is broken. But Pat McGurd, O'Connor, and Fat Goon Tinker are all knocked out and being carried out of the bar. So one thing that I like about this scene is I like how rarely is, is Dalton fighting alone. I like how his men always have his back. I think that's a really cool element of it because he's also training them. He is imparting stuff on them that I think, you know, 10 years after this movie in this world, I think they're these bouncers are going to be grateful to Dalton for what he learned. Just like how Wade says later, I learned as much from you as as you did from me. I think we're seeing that here with how Dalton is treating the bouncers. I just I like the camaraderie that we see and I like how it never feels that Dalton is always fighting the battle by himself up until some very specific endgame game battles.
0: Yeah, yeah, this the, this element takes the superhero element out of the movie, and makes it more realistic. Agreed. And it and it changes it from a Stallone you know bullshit to like suddenly it's it's the it's the evolution of an action movie like this is what people want to see they want to see the more realistic side and i know i said this in the previous episode but like nick cage in the rock where you're like this guy is a goof you know but he becomes the hero he rises to the occasion it's not the same character but i think the element that i love about that is like you see this guy as a as a flawed character he's not he can get injured, he can get cut. So when Dalton gets slashed, you're like, oh shit. Not only does he get slashed, but he gets slashed hard. Yeah. Like obviously he's gotta go to the hospital, which sets up, you know, what you're about to talk about. Yeah. but still he he's got a really bad injury.
1: Yeah, he and in the scar the scars show that like, yeah, he's not like that Arnold Schwarzenegger impervious style, you know, hero. He he takes hits, you know, and what makes him well, different it's his philosophy and his Tai Chi, and he can kind of, like, maybe maybe we'll find out he can suppress the pain or whatever, although you can see him flinch later, and I like that. But, like, here, I like what what you're saying. Yeah, he he he's not a superhero. He needs his team. He couldn't clean that place up as the sole bouncer slash cooler. He has to have a team, and I like that the movie doesn't ever sort of forget that. And the times that Dalton has to fight one-on-one with somebody... Like, there's a reason for that. But I like at the bar, he's never without his team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just like with, you know, I was thinking about that someone says, well, what about Stallone as Rambo in part two? He's all scarred up. Yeah, but still, it's still Rambo one-on-one taking everybody on. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: I love these theoretical speculations from nobody.
0: (laughs) You're welcome.
2: (laughs) What about,
3: what about, what about, about, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. What about Hulk Hogan versus Big Boss Man in the steel cage? Right, Zach. People must be sending you private messages because I don't. I don't hear any of this feedback yeah. from anybody. Yeah, you know who <laughs>
0: those people are? They're the voices in my head.
1: <laughs> Touche, my friend. Touche. <laughs> Cut to I have so many voices in my head. <laughs> oh, Cut to Dalton help. in the emergency room getting stitched up by Doctor Clay, uh, Elizabeth mm. Clay, uh, Kelly Lynch. Mm-hmm. Dalton Hanser is medical file, which I think is super fucking cool that he carries his that's medical file. That's such
0: a great I moment. Love that.
1: I think that's awesome, which he just happens to carry with him, uh, you know, everywhere he goes.
3: Hi, I'm Dr. Clay. Hi. How'd this happen?
4: Natural causes.
3: Looks like a knife wound. Like I said. You're a bomb,
4: Mm Mm-hmm. Double deuce.
3: Nice place. They send a lot of business my way.
4: I'm hoping to change that.
3: All by yourself? Well, Mr. Dalton, you may add nine staples to your dossier of 31 broken bones, two bullet wounds, nine puncture wounds, and four stainless steel screws. That's an estimate, of course.
4: I'll give you a local. No, thank you.
3: Do you enjoy pain?
4: Pain don't hurt.
3: Most of my patients would disagree with you. Okay. Do you always carry your medical records around with you?
4: Saves time.
3: Your file says you've got a degree from NYU. What in? Philosophy. any particular discipline
4: no not really um man's search for faith that sort of shit
3: come up with any answers
4: not too many
3: how's a guy like you end up a bouncer
4: just lucky i guess
3: Nice work. Good clean stitches. Thank you. (laughs) Do you ever win a fight?
1: Nobody ever
4: wins a fight.
1: After the doc is all done stapling Dalton up, he tells her to come by the double deuce and have a coffee with him if she's in the area. She kind of smiles and starts to walk away and then says, With that line of work, I thought you'd be bigger. Dalton, Dalton laughs and says, Gee, I've never heard that before. Uh, Dustin, how? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this interaction? I mean, now, you know, this is the the introduction to the love interest, um, but uh, there's some cool stuff we learn about Dalton in this scene, too.
0: There
2: is some cool stuff we learn about Dalton. I think the fact that he just mentions that he got a degree from NYU in his medical file is of note. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: You don't have that in your medical file? <laughs> yeah, uh, my degree from Towson is in my medical file. <laughs> I
2: Right. I may have it in there. I don't know. Um, but clearly the doc is interested in how a, uh, a philosophy major from NYU. Extremely expensive degree, by the way. You're just shitting away money. So maybe yeah. that speaks more to Dalton's, <laughs> you know, uh, when he is kind of very casual about these, you know, he makes a lot of money. But it's it, yeah, it is just like, um,
0: does he have it, a savings? Does he
2: have student loans? Um, <laughs> yes. Did he get financial aid? A philosophy degree. If you're going to get a philosophy degree from NYU, NYU is now like $110,000 a year. In 89, um, I'm guessing it was probably around 15 grand or so. Um, At least. But uh, that's that, that's a very expensive place to go for a philosophy degree.
1: Realistically, aside from being a cooler Dustin, what do you do with a philosophy degree? Like, where does that land
2: you? No, exactly. And I think she even sort of asks, like, "Where you know, uh, you're probably going to go into teaching, you know. Uh. <laughs> which
1: which is funny because it is what he does here. He is actually a teacher to his fellow bouncers.
2: He is. A
0: Kindergarten teacher. <laughs> a kindergarten cop.
2: Are you saying that you have a philosophy degree? I, I, I do. You do? No. No, I don't. Oh.
1: I have a degree that's second useless to a philosophy degree i have a film degree from towson university <laughs> although I take it back mike Flanagan the director also came out of the film department at towson university but clearly he did he
0: did much more than i did with his degree no joke though i i, I there were many times when i'm like i should have gotten a philosophy degree with working with people we're, psychological psychological well you know
2: that psychology and philosophy are two different things right i do
0: i do i think psychology and philosophy should go together though
2: uh well good
0: save good save yeah
2: i don't i don't i think um no i tried psychology of course
1: I try. Uh,
2: <laughs> give me, give uh, me, give me. I, I, I give me. already forgot what the original question. Oh, that that sort of that interaction, right? <laughs> We've
1: moved so far away from it.
2: <laughs> doctor Clay. Yeah. um No, I don't think philosophy would help. Would help you in your in your day to day. um Probably, but but yeah, I think.
1: uh But it helps. Cl- you, it helps you pick up a pretty fucking hot fucking doctor, though. Right. Well,
2: the doctor is more, I think, impressed by the fact that. Uh, you know, pain don't hurt. He doesn't even, you know, and then, and then this is where I go, right? I'm like, well, maybe he doesn't want the anesthesia because that's going to be an extra cost on this bill. And if he avoids that, then he's going to save, you oh, know, approximately, yeah, uh, you know, $200 on that emergency room bill. But, uh, but no, it isn't really that. It's just that pain don't hurt. And he's proving it to her in real time. He barely even breathes. He's just
1: like, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah.
1: He
2: just doesn't even do much. Get some and staples. that's a
1: gnarly slice too. Like you can see, like he's almost see his rib underneath because it's like his rib got sliced. So it's like yeah. it's it's gnarly. It's gnarly. I, I do like that he does flinch when you hear that first staple go in. You know, so I mean, he's not again. He's not a freaking Terminator. Yeah. You know, um. But he he's a freaking man. <laughs> he drink, He smokes his cigarettes in the morning. He drinks his coffee black, and he takes those staples without fucking anesthesia. I mean, that's pretty impressive.
0: Well, and I I also want to point out too that you know Kelly Lynch's character, while she does the cliche glasses and then without the glasses, you know that whole deal. I, even though she does that, that aside, uh, her delivery, like as as Doc, right, her delivery of her lines, her presentation, like the the way she com- the way she comes across, it's totes profesh. Like she looks very cool. Like she doesn't. I don't know, there's an air about her, there's an attitude to Kelly Lynch as an actor that I've always admired. I've always felt like she kinda carried herself like she's someone who could kick your ass if if she needed to. You know what I'm saying? Like she can hold her own. I and I, I, there's a there's a level of confidence about her that I really dig. She's
1: absolutely stunning. And the, yes, they do the 1980s thing of taking the very beautiful woman, making her nerdy by putting those giant glasses on and, and you know, putting her hair up and everything. But I buy it 100 percent because Kelly Lynch is selling it. And I buy that she's a do- I buy that she's a doctor that just happens to be super hot as opposed to a super hot actor who's playing a doctor.
0: Yeah, not her fault.
1: No, it's not her fault that she's right. she's, got, she's got way too many brains for an ass like that.
2: And of, and of course, you know, she too is stuck in this town, like right. every other character. Right, came back to help her uncle.
1: That's a theme that I feel like, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's a theme that kind of permeates the entire film. It never gets hammered in your head, but you're right. Once you start peeling it back, everyone there is kind of stuck there. But then Brad Wesley's there because he wants to be there and he has all the money and everything. So I think, I think there's something there, Dustin, to the whole everyone's kind of stuck in this sort of purgatory of a town. Cut to Brad Wesley's estate and we see a monster truck driving up the road followed by a, a smaller sedan. Two fresh goons get out of the monster truck, while the losers get out of the car and are greeted by Mr. Wesley outside the house. Of course, Jimmy is standing behind his boss like a good right-hand goon. Wesley sighs and shakes his head while Pat walks past him with his tail between his legs. The wannabe kingpin looks at his remaining two goons and demands an apology from one of them. They both say that they are sorry, and Wesley says he believes Tinker, but he doesn't believe O'Connor.
0: I'm sorry, boss. I'm I'm sorry, boss. I'm 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 really sorry.
1: <laughs> O'Connor keeps apologizing, but Wesley says he doesn't believe him. He punches <laughs> O'Connor in the nose and says, "Because you're a bleeder." He knees him in the groin, <laughs> he knees him in the nuts, and says, "You bleed too much. You're a messy bleeder." <laughs> Wesley Wesley continues to beat on O'Connor and berate him while the other goons look on and laugh. Wesley tells them to help O'Connor to his feet. When they do, Wesley tells them he'll be fine because he likes O'Connor. When O'Connor smiles, Wesley knocks him fucking cold out and tells his men to get this piece of shit coward out of here and walks back inside. Now, I thought that would be the end of O'Connor, but, uh, you know, O'Connor's still kind of in the mix later, so I guess he just meant get him out of my sight for now? Yeah.
0: I mean, that's the that's the logical thing to say. Bad writing would be they just forgot and he's back in it.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel like the latter. Yeah. Cut to Red's auto shop and one of Wesley's goons are walking out of the store and gets into Wesley's convertible Mustang. We see Jimmy is driving it instead of his boss. Dalton parks next to them and Jimmy and the no-name jobber just smile at him and drive away. Zach, that was for you. Thank you. Dalton walks into the store wearing his karate gi. He we- he's wearing his weird karate man shirt. That's kind of like. He got t- his karate man shirt. It's like a gi, and it's kind of tucked into his jeans. He looks around and sees that there was a struggle. Red comes out of the back of the store with a mop and bucket and clean up the mess. Dalton asks if he was robbed. Now, I love this line. He goes, Red goes, every week. We see a picture of Dr. Clay on Red's wall. Dalton asks, so what does he take? meaning Brad Wesley. 10% to start. It's all legal-like. He formed the Jasper Improvement Society. All the businesses in town belong to it. Dalton asks if everybody pays. Does a hobby horse have a wooden dick? I'm going to be stealing that line, by the way, when someone (laughs) asks me a stupid question.
0: (laughs) I wrote that down.
1: Does a hobby horse have a wooden dick? Okay. I'm thinking this might be Dustin's favorite character uh that he mentioned earlier that hasn't showed up yet cut to wade garrett played by sam elliott working at a bar that's having a wet g-string contest because it's not a wet t-shirt contest because they're topless while mustang sally plays in the background it seems like a military bar because a lot of guys in camo are watching the girls and shooting them (laughs) with their intertech uzi water guns That I absolutely owned as a kid. The black Intertech Uzi water gun with the extended clip. It's battery operated. It took four AA batteries to put in the back. Mm -hmm. I owned that motherfucker before they started painting those things different colors, which I love too. I love those colors that they do. But I had that black Intertech water gun.
0: Same. Same Mm -hmm. and same. And by the way, Mustang Sally is one of the worst. I hate that song. I hate that's the only song in this movie where I'm like, "That song sucks, Mustang Sally." Like, that's the one at bars. Do not play Mustang Sally if you do. Get out. Okay.
2: You don't like Mustang Sally? Nope. Fascinating I can't stand that
0: song. I don't. I have this p- real problem with like. I don't know that that style. I'm not a fan. Hmm. I, I fascinating. Because I was in a band once where they're like, we're going to do that song. We're going to do. I, I was not a fan. I've talked about this. Talked about this on the Tough Turf episode on Podcasting After Dark.
1: Jesus, bro. That was like four and a half years ago, man. Yeah. That was like our Dustin, sounds like our third or fourth episode. I can't even remember I, that. How do you remember that? Yeah.
0: How, how do the you, hell do you remember, you remember that? that? That's disturbing. Because these things stay with me. My my child. My traumas from childhood to now stay with me. And Dustin, when we cover Tough Turf on our, on two dollar late fee, I'll bring that story up again because it's bears repeating that 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 that's like that. That style, but it takes a kind of woman. But what's the what, I, who's okay? Mind, well, time or. out for a
2: second. We got to digress. Time out. I got to <laughs> break this down. I'll be real fast. But what is the trauma here? I, I don't.
0: I just, I just, th- that song triggers something in me. I'm just like, okay. it's not well. That's, cool. w-
2: that's what we need to, I, I I think there's probably some connection to the many, many traumas that you've suffered and that song. Not that your band wanted to cover it like in the, you know, 20 years, 10 years ago or something, but that, but also to, Cur- to Corey's point. Yeah. I, why do you remember that you talked about it on the Tough Turpa episode four and a <laughs> half years ago? and then you're like but that's my trauma like there's something else there because
0: it's jack mack and the heart attack <laughs> we talked we talked about jack mack and the heart attack yeah and they're like they're doing they're doing song takes a kind of woman makes man lose man and like i that with this guy this doughy guy on stage singing his heart out so cool so sexy i'm like it's not sexy it's not cool
2: yeah, there's something else. There's something else there. We're, we're, we'll uncover that when we talk about it. But I think too, you know, there's I love how
1: confident Dustin is. We'll, we'll get to that. Though.
2: Well, you have to have really good background singers in Mustang Sally to do the ride Sally ride. And um, oh
0: god, though it's, it's not so ride Sally ride. It's cheesy. ride Sally
2: ride. Was that in uh, the Commitments? Remember that movie? yeah and so
0: i was in a i was in a band that all they wanted to do was cover commitment songs
2: oh interesting okay
0: and i was like why
2: (laughs) because it was a soul band
0: i but it's like but we were all white people yeah i I just i didn't like i felt like i was appropriating i don't know why it just didn't feel genuine to me they're like you're so good at singing these songs i'm like no i'm not no i don't want to be good at these singing these
2: songs hmm. okay know. well i'm gonna wish for that time back later i apologize guys <laughs> i'm gonna say why did i digress for 15 minutes on that but
0: for the commitments um, <laughs> for the commitments
2: but i really enjoy the commitments uh
0: i do too yeah. but i don't want to sing the song
2: there's something else there there's something else there <laughs>
0: You, you let oh, me like know when you, you guys get to the
2: it. I mean, of. Zach likes <laughs> Zach likes some of the cheesiest, worst songs in the world, but like has is so passionate about Mustang Sally being bad that yeah. that doesn't I just don't that doesn't like track. Mustang <laughs> Sally. It doesn't track on the surface. Something there's <laughs> something else. Mustang
0: Sally. I, no, don't, don't don't give me that. I
1: wasn't nope. expecting Mustang Sally to derail us. That was no, like not no. what I was counting on. <laughs> Corey's
0: like, can we talk about EnterTech for a second? I thought, I thought
1: we were going to digress and talk about EnterTech water guns. I have nothing to add to the Mustang Sally conversation
0: only digression
2: Corey what do you think about that song
1: it's fine
2: yeah to quote Bodie it's fine
1: it's fine it's fine Uh, back back (laughs) back in the movie one thing I do like is that Wade stops one of the soldiers from charging the stage but he does it nicely like Dalton not like an asshole like Morgan. So I like that we see that there's that connection that nice thing when and, and you know we'll find out that Wade is kind of his mentor and everything so does he learn that whole nice thing from Wade. Uh the bartender calls Wade over and says Dalton is on the phone. What's going on, Meho? They exchange. No, I
0: think I think Dustin needs to say that. Yeah, buddy, do it.
3: What's going on, Miho?
1: That was good. I'll feed Kinda you like the that. uh I'll feed you whatever lines I have for uh <laughs> For Sam Elliott in this.
3: Double douche.
1: Uh, Yeah. yeah, I I wrote that down. Don't (laughs) worry. They exchange pleasantries, and then Dalton asks if Wade has ever heard of a guy named Brad Wesley. The older cooler says that he hasn't, then asks the younger one if he's in trouble. Dalton says nothing he isn't used to. A fight breaks out behind Wade, and he has to go back to work. Now, I thought this scene was a little bit like, what's the point of it? Like, I don't feel like we sort of... The plot didn't sort of move forward because of it, but it it's more of an introduction to Wade. I think that's the point of the scene. It's an introduction to Wade. And like, but I was like, but then later I'm like, why does Wade wind up at the double deuce, you know, or the double douche? Um, but I guess the fact that Dalton is calling informed Wade that maybe something was
0: amiss. I think uh, getting knifed and it's more serious than he led on to. Yeah. You know? And that it's he's realizing this is something he can't necessarily handle on his own, and this is his code way of like saying, "I need your help without directly asking for it
1: right. And Dustin, do you th- do you think like Wade kind of clued in on that?
2: I do I mean I, I think it's it's more like uh, Dalton's probably used to going town to town to town to town with some fake poser rich guy, some small town small time hustler. And-
1: and this is the real shit, right? Right,
2: and, or or is it? It's one of those cases of if he had the internet and could do a quick uh, Google search on Brad Wesley, probably save yeah. him a lot of time, probably just get out of there. But uh, but yeah, you know, is this a guy who, I mean, the entire town is a very poor town. This guy's got a mansion, he's got a helicopter, he's got, you know, a million cars. Um, you know, what what's the deal? So yeah i mean you're right this is just a scene to introduce introduce wave but uh you know it's not that dalton is afraid um but it's kind of the first step of like what what did i get myself into this time
0: Yeah. yeah and also it's an opportunity to see sam elliott push his hair back all sexy like i can i can watch him yeah. do that oh, yeah fucking day man as a straight man
1: that. i could i mean shit as a straight yeah. man i tell you sam i have a massive man crush on sam elliot in this
0: movie he is fucking insane
2: he exudes sex
0: yeah yeah it's wild he he is the epitome of what i think anyone who's attracted to a dude likes like he that's the, the something yeah Unequivocally, he's a dude's dude, you know. But he, yeah, but he just like there is something about him. I don't think there's ever been before or ever will be another Sam Elliott.
1: There's some actors and whatnot who who just inhabit. They're always just yeah, they are a singular force of nature, and I think he is is one of them. I agree with. I'm watching
0: him in 1883 right now, and you know he cries in almost every single episode. But like you feel his his tears in every single episode. Oh, he cries. Uh. But no, that but it's like when he cries, you're like, that's how a man cries.
1: I gotta say, by the way, I believe he lives up here. I'm in uh, Eugene, Oregon. I believe he lives. Outside of Eugene, I think this is where his main house is. Uh, him and uh, Bruce Campbell live out by Bend, which is about four hours away. But I think Sam Elliott's actually relatively close by.
0: Go get him. I'm Go trying, baby. I'm him. trying. <laughs> Catherine Ross. He's been married to the same woman for decades, and uh, just the That's dude. I awesome. got nothing negative to say about that guy. He's at. He's 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 a masterpiece. He's, at the double
1: dude
2: He's a masterpiece. Sorry, Sorry this is, he's a masterpiece. Well, I'd be he's interested a in, in getting the gay man's uh, take. So, we,
0: I would too. Yeah. I would love to hear what a what a what a gay man would think about my mom. My mom loves Sam Elliott.
1: Yeah, like is he is he more of a ladies' man? Is or is he a man's man? You know.
0: Well, <laughs> she my mom my mom loves like that rugged
1: dude.
2: Wait, let's unravel the trauma a little more. <laughs> no, we don't have time. Come on.
1: Time. Yeah, One think, trauma a night. I think the Mustang Sally, I
2: think that they're probably connected.
1: I, they're, I, they probably I, I are. I think if we just are.
2: spend another hour or so on it, I think.
0: Oh, my gosh. He's just so he's so handsome. He's just
2: so handsome. The way he sings Mustang Sally and beats my sons. What?
0: <laughs> Mom. It shows off his pubic <laughs> <care>. hair. <laughs> it's two different people. Oh, yeah, we'll get this. to Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> where are we? I don't even know. All right. At the Double Deuce, Cody and his band are playing while Carrie Ann is singing. The stage has been overhauled at this point. There's now a Double Deuce neon sign on the wall, and the mesh cage has been removed from the front of the stage. That's She's not a the good deal? singer
0: too, by the way. She's yeah. a good singer too, and that song did not wind up on the soundtrack.
1: Well, I didn't know if that was actually her, or if that was her like lip singing, or
0: I think it is her. Okay, okay,
1: but I will say I do like the visual changes that happens to the double deuce, um, like in and again, you know the. It's easy to see it here because that chain mesh is gone now. So, like, that right yes. away tells you. And it's such a video game thing. Like, I've played video games where, like, you know, the things that you do, like, improve the town or whatever. And it's it's cool. I dig that. And I like as much as, you know, I think the, the, the script, you know, it's not, like, a perfect script. You know, there are mistakes, like we've already discussed. There seemed to be one with O'Connor and everything. But one thing I yeah. do like about the script is that it doesn't just – never says like you know there's never a scene with Tillman being like we're doing better it's all visual you see it all change and I think that's I think that is the strength of the film agree but that's not all that's not the only change we see uh Keith David has replaced Pat at the bartender and uh as the bartender I should say um and unfortunately Keith David has absolutely nothing to do this movie the entire there's
0: fucking film one line right
1: my God, I think, I think maybe one line.
0: And, and you guys have to put into context, the fact that Keith David at this point has been in, I don't know. I, I'm not looking at his IMDB, but I, I off top my head, the fact that he's in, they live and the thing, which were, which were very much mainstream Hollywood films that obviously got a bigger shelf life on video, but, but he's a, he's a known name. And to have such a, small insignificant role i know scenes his scenes were cut i would love to see like a, a the yeah. cut scenes are not available anywhere like what he, kathleen, like what's his
1: character even supposed to be doing you know right. like right yeah like, i think he just says kathleen
2: whiskey's running low
1: yeah i think that's, that's it, his that's only that's that's line it. yeah yeah yeah
0: and you think wow that i mean you, you see that now in a movie and you're like oh that was a cool cameo by blah 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 this is not a cameo
1: no, this is not a this is not a quote unquote cameo. I, I I yeah, I'm with you. I yeah, his shit was cut. He should have been. I mean, if it was going to be just a, a, if what we saw of that character was only like was also what was in the script, like that was it. They could have hired anybody, but they paid for Keith David, and so yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's it's you it's wasted. Unfortunately, I mean the thing
2: is yeah. he he has a name, right? His character Ernie, it's Ernie, Ernie I, yeah. right? So you don't really name a character and then just give him whiskeys running low. Yeah. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. he just could have been bartender. bartender. So there's absolutely yeah. something else going
1: on. Agreed. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. But, Agreed. but we've also, we've al- already tracked the fact that this movie is what an hour and 50 minutes long. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's almost for two, an action movie. Yeah. It's
1: almost two hours long. It's like an hour and 55 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's technically, yeah, it's an action movie. So, Man, I I can't imagine another, I don't know, five or ten minutes tacked onto this, like putting this movie in like the two hour and five minute range. No, right. that's not going to that's not going to fly in 1989.
2: Nope. What if Keith David were Wade? Would that be interesting?
1: <laughs> I think that would be really fucking cool. But Sam Elliott is fucking amazing. No, look, movie.
2: he I, is. Yeah. I'm just thinking you want to see Keith David punch some, you know, I mean, he's yeah, in the yeah. arguably the best fight scene in the history of movies.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, Keith David would have been awesome, Wade. And maybe if, you know, maybe in the remake that they're going to do, they do something like that. But, yeah, that would never fly. 1989, unfortunately, I think you
0: missed an opportunity. They missed an opportunity. You're about to get to it, Corey, with with the introduction of Wade seeing Dalton for the first time. Ernie could have been out there with Wade. And and they were he could have been in the middle of that a middle of that fight and had a, a couple moments punching and kick who kn- maybe yeah. he would maybe yeah. he did I
1: don't know God, and he's such a big guy and he looks so small in this movie Ernie. like they don't yeah, they make him look very yeah. insignificant yeah, yeah. It, it, that's perfect Zach they make him look insignificant and he f- sadly feels insignificant. Yeah. As Dalton is standing in his usual spot watching the crowd, the local hot girl, Denise, played by Julie Michaels, who we saw in Dr. Mordred, tries seducing Dalton. Just then, Jimmy pulls her away and says, say goodnight, Denise, as he stares into Dalton's face. Outside the bar, Jimmy drags Denise to his car. Past more of Brad's Wesley's goons, including that one dad-looking motherfucker, the stunt guy from the eighties. You saw RoboCop kill him. You saw Quaid kill him in, in, you know, Total Recall. I don't know his name, but you fucking know his face, and he looks like a dad. And this is the eighties, so like when if you were a big fat guy, you were a, a strong guy. But you know who the hell I'm talking about, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, he should have his own theme song. Doing it the best I can. <laughs> there you go. As this goon squad rolls up <laughs> through the front door,
1: Dalton clocks them immediately and tells his bouncer, Jack, to look out for the lead guy's right boot. It has a small blade sticking out of it. The lead guy also happens to be the guy that played Blade in the Masters of the Universe movie, Anthony DeLongis anthony delongus and so that's kind of appropriate that uh that he has a blade in his boot and by the way i will just be referring to him as blade for the rest of the film um he has another name in the movie but you never hear it so i'm just kind of like who gives a shit so he's blade
0: yeah he's blade yeah by the way he he gave out sword lessons at a PowerCon, the first PowerCon I ever went to. I believe
1: he is a. I think that's like as a stunt man goes. I think he's kind of like one of those guys that's like actors that are like you know he's a stunt man, but I yeah. think he's specifically a sword guy. I think he teaches sword lessons and and is like a more of a sword stunt man, which is why he played Blade in the Masters of the Universe movie.
0: I will I will refer to him as Sword Guy, but Sword Guy is very nice. He's a very nice guy. Sword Guy is very nice.
1: I'm sure I I will refer to him as Blade.
0: I
2: will refer to him as boot. (laughs) Right boot. He's going to get the boot pretty
1: soon. (laughs) Dalton and his men intercept the goon squad at the door. Then Dalton intercepts Blade's foot when they refuse to leave. He breaks the man's ankle or, you know, I don't know. He breaks it, but, you know, he does his thing. Drags him out the front door while his team does the same to their opponents. As Dalton and his team destroy the goon squad in the parking lot, Doc Clay walks up in her tight red dress and watches the madness unfold, and she goes sploosh. After the dust settles, Dalton walks over to the doc and asks if she's looking for somebody. She says,
0: you. So much hairspray.
1: Sploosh.
2: Sploosh. She's got like a, a claw going on, I feel like, like a mini claw. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that was another thing that was very popular in the late '80s, yep. early '90s. Yeah. That, that like thing with the hair, the bangs yep. going straight up. The, the oh yeah, the uh, sorry, you know, something about Mary kind of style.
1: Yep. Cut to a local diner, and Dalton and the Doc are sitting at a table together. She asks, "Are you always better than they are?" He smiles and says, "The ones who go looking for trouble are not much of a problem to someone who's ready for them." I suspect it's always been that way. So philosophical. He puts out a cigarette and, and says he better take her home or else she's going to start thinking he's a nice guy. She says, I know you're not a nice guy. Again, sploosh.
0: The cook. Just another <laughs> dirty girl.
1: The cook complains about one of his patrons like ranting rant because he's sleeping in the stool kind of thing. You know, Whatever. Dalton hands the guy a large bill, you don't see what it is, probably 100 and says that should cover tonight's rent. So it's kind of like, you know, even though he's trying to be cool with her, he can't help but be a good guy to this person here, which I like. And I think that says a lot about his character, and I think that says a lot about why he's going to stay and fight for the, you know, the downtrodden. Yeah. Back at the Double Deuce, Doc and Dalton drive up in her Jeep and park next to Dalton's car. The tires are slashed and the windows are shattered. Doc asks, your fan club? Dalton says, they are devoted. She says, you live some kind of a life, Dalton. And he assumes he assumes it's too ugly for her. But Doc says, I didn't say that. He takes off his seatbelt and kisses her and gets out of the Jeep and Doc drives off. It's nice that this isn't the night that they have sex. Like, I like that it's not the very first
0: date. And that's coming from Sleazy C. <laughs> I pulled that. I played that card before. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Pulled
3: my Chuck
2: Norris book out of my back pocket and said, I'll see you another night.
1: Yeah, that was the next night. It's called called laying the groundwork, baby. You got to lay that groundwork.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, he's so nice. He didn't make moves on me the first night. Uh,
1: The next day at Emmett's place, Dalton is lying (laughs) on the hood of his car like he's waiting for someone as Connor... As O'Connor and Tinker drive up and tell him Mr. Wesley wants to see him. Dalton hops off the hood of the car and startles the two morons. Then he grabs his coat and says, after you. And I like how even Dalton is kind of like, I'm right across the pond, you fucking idiots. Like, like I know yeah. you're going to come for me at some point. Like, I'm right here. But yet, you've been like all day looking for me, you fucking idiots.
0: <laughs> you had this look on your face like.
1: I'm waiting, but nothing. So moving on. (laughs) Dustin's like, "Well, you said everything I was going to say. Right? Fucking idiots."
2: (laughs) Now I just got to make up for lost time before. So keep moving.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got to make up for (laughs) sidetracking us on Mustang Sally. Mustang Sally. (laughs) Cut to Brad Wesley's place, and Dalton is being let in by O'Connor and Tinker. We see Denise is doing aerobics in the living room, and we also see she's been beaten to shit. She quickly hides her face when she sees Dalton, O'Connor, and Tinker lead Dalton into the kitchen where Wesley is eating his breakfast. Uh, I will say that Myra watched me. Uh, I was breaking down the movie right here. She was like, she was like, I paused it because I was writing something and you know I was looking at Pat. It was Patrick Swayze was on the screen. She was like, I fucking love that look. That that gray dark gray blazer on top of Ooh. like the black button-down shirt, and, and she was like, that's an awesome look. And I was like. I think you just like Patrick Swayze <laughs> yeah
0: yeah because Martin Short wore the same outfit in inner space and it did not look nearly as cool it's true mm-hmm. how do I look to Meg Ryan and Meg Ryan's like uh okay oh my god I wish you were tuck
1: <laughs> Wesley offers Dalton some breakfast but he declines Wesley says they're the same He came up from the streets of Chicago, and after the the Korean War, he put the town on the map by bringing in businesses in, like the mall, the 7-Eleven, the photomat, and now JCPenney's, all because of him. Dalton says, you've gotten rich off the people in this town. Wesley laughs and says, you bet your ass I have. Dalton takes a seat far away from Wesley, and I think that's on purpose. The older businessman says, I have a cousin in Memphis. Tells me you killed a man down there. Tells me you said it was self defense at the trial. But you and I both know it that isn't it, don't we? Dalton looks pissed, but Wesley tells him to relax, then asks how much it would cost for Dalton to work for him. Dalton gets up and walks over to Wesley, and I think again think this is important too, because he gets to tell him something he gets up and walks over to him and gets it sort of in his face. And he says there's no amount of money then he walks out as roadhouse blues play by the jeff healy band. Now, Dustin, we learned two things in this scene. We kind of learn a ba- little bit of a back history about uh Dalton and how he killed somebody in Memphis. But we also kind of learn a little bit more about Wesley now, you know. And as a villain goes, what, like do you feel that are you know, are you do you feel that he's a worthy villain for Dalton, like a worthy foil for Dalton at this point?
2: Well, certainly what he represents Right. Because he's done his research on Dalton. I'm sure most, you know, adversaries don't do that. Uh, came from Memphis. What's what's up? Um, so, yeah. So now it's getting a little real. A guy who keeps himself hidden, doesn't want people to know too much about him. Now has a guy who knows a lot about him. Right. I think it'd be very interesting if if he just threw out a number and he was like five thousand a day. And then Wesley was like, sure. And then the movie ended there. <laughs> like the yeah. credits roll, yeah, like cue like,
0: the curb your enthusiasm, bah, yeah, bah, 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 yeah, you know. Yeah. Nah, nah, <laughs> nah. Or um, yeah, you know, Wesley goes like, "What? What is? What is a? Uh, what's Tillman paying you? Because I'll double it."
2: Right. Or Done. or like Dalton goes undercover in Brad Wesley's goon squad, only to then thwart them after. Ooh, uh, that would be a, well, an interesting Jump movie where he's getting paid a lot of money to learn about Wesley, and then he just dismantles it from the inside. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Brad Wesley wants intimidators. He doesn't want philosophical nice He's guys. Coolers.
1: He doesn't want a cooler. Yeah,
2: he doesn't want a cooler.
1: He
0: wants hotters. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he wants burners. Yeah, no.
0: Good Hotters good call. starring good call. Jean-Claude yes. Van Damme and Steven Seagal.
1: Yeah. No, He. You're, no. Dustin, that's a really good point. Like He just wants to pay him off, obviously, yeah. but he really has no use for somebody like this. Right. He needs goons. So... This is cool. The camera cranes down the front of the double deuce, and we now see it's been completely overhauled into an Applebee's. (laughs) There's a brand new neon sign, and all the employees and bouncers are wearing matching outfits. But there is a line of people waiting to get in, so there is like that shades of the bandstand from the beginning, which I love that we saw the bandstand and that was like Tillman's goal, and now we're actually seeing that goal come to fruition. And yeah. it's again, it's just visual. I love one thing. I will I will praise this movie for one hundred percent. It shows us, not tells us. We never hear hear Tillman saying, "Guys, we're doing so good." We
0: just see it, and mm-hmm. I think that's so much more impactful. And beautiful cinematography courtesy of Dean Cundey.
1: I see a lot of shots that I recognize in this movie because of Dean Cundey, and I, I love it, man. I, I love that dude. I love Dean Cundey, man.
0: Yeah, he deserves all the praise.
1: Inside the bar, Cody and his band are rocking out, and everyone is having a good, a good and safe time. This is where I noted we also see that Cody and his guys are looking better too. proof that trickle down economics work, (laughs) even though they don't. (laughs) We see we see Tillman make his way through the crowd, which is why we needed that earlier shot of him making his way through the crowd and, and kind of covering up the graffiti. But here he's meeting people and thanking them for coming in. I thought I think that's really cool. Um when we were doing our road trip up the coast with my mom a couple of weeks ago, we stopped at this little restaurant um, off the coast, you know, coast of Oregon and everything, and just had the most amazing food, seafood we've ever had. But it was like a little dive place like this. But when we were eating, the owner came out and was like, hey, is food good? You guys having a good time? You know, like, we're like yeah, you know, and I, I that kind of shit, like you don't see that much anymore. Um, And I say that as someone who's lived also in L.A. for, you know, 16 years and everything. I never saw anything like that. There's something about these quaint bars and and, you know towns and everything where I don't know, man, that there's something right about that, you know, where the owner is actually out there mingling and talking to people.
0: Yeah. I miss it. I miss it. I miss it.
2: Mustang Sally. That would be, <laughs> be a great time to in a Mustang Sally.
0: <laughs> Mustang. <laughs> Takes a kind of woman to make a man lose his mind. So
1: Tillman ends up at the bar sort of standing next to Dalton. Ernie, the bartender, tells his boss that the whiskey is running low. I should have like wrote his actual quote because it is the only line that he has in the entire movie. Tillman remarks to Dalton, I finally get this place just the way I want it and now we're running out of booze. I called every supplier I know. Why won't they deliver? Dalton says it's because of Wesley and then asks Ernie to give him the phone. He looks at Tillman and says he'll take care of it. At the end of the night, Dalton walks out of the bar and is greeted by the doc who's waiting for him by the Jeep. Jimmy, and Blade from He-Man, sees this and laughs. Jimmy says, dig a hole. I don't know if we needed that line because I also don't really understand it, but okay. Cut to Dalton. In the dock, back at the barn loft, he turns on the radio and they get cozy together. Dalton asks about her picture at Red's auto shop, and she says that he's her uncle. He raised her after her parents died. They start dancing together, and of course, this leads to more. Much more. Like dance-fucking against the fireplace (laughs) and on the roof of the barn's porch, while Brad Wesley watches from
0: his backyard. And mosquitoes bite the shit out of them too, by the way.
2: So the the dig a hole is that those guys didn't know that Dalton was dating Clay. So okay. now so now dig the now hole he, for Dalton. Dig a hole, because now he's a dead man. Because right, because
1: you we learned much later that, that Brad Wesley had a thing for Elizabeth Clay and she left him. You're right. I, I kind of I'm not as familiar with the movie. You're right, that's a good point, and that's it's kind of like one of those movies where it does, you know, multiple viewings does help it, because you kind of, you understand, you kind of look back on things.
2: No, totally. It's the layers of the onion, so to speak, where Dalton is an adversary, but now he's a dead man, because he likes Brad's, you know, he's fucking with Brad's business, but now he's fucking with his, you know, his girl, his his former girl, whatever, or his interest. Yeah.
0: What if Brad Wesley started masturbating and while he's watching them
1: i think he was like let's all <laughs> just you. agree that well and we probably would as well because oh these are two very attractive people you know having sex oh on this weird god like, roof awning over top of the porch of the barn it's such a weird place to have sex but yeah i think zach you mentioned it they are getting probably destroyed his dalton's balls are getting destroyed by <laughs> mosquitoes i'm sure
0: I mean I mean like you hear uh Sam Cooke singing in the background or Otis Redding Otis Redding singing in the background meanwhile all Dalton and, and, and uh, Docker hearing are,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. it's slapped, it's slapped, oh, slapped, oh. Slapped. right. Well, and they've
2: got that giant spotlight like right on their bodies. Yeah. You know, so, so all the
1: light, all the bugs,
0: so, so the the and they're going and to the, the
2: fireflies. You know, right, going into that. Um,
0: Corey, they're like uh, they're like uh, Ken Foree and uh, yeah, in, in the, in the, in from <laughs> Beyond, beyond yeah, when from the light shines beyond, on him yeah. and all the. Bugs eat him.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's what happens to Ken Forey's body is just what happens to like Dalton's genitalia. It's just that <laughs> just gets eaten away. <laughs> destroyed. Absolutely destroyed. <laughs> uh, the, the next day, Emmett asks Dalton where his lady friend went. He says she left, but she'll be back. Emmett says if Dalton's smart, he'll pitch his tent. Uh, I think that means something different, buddy, but OK, I, I get what you <laughs> yeah. say. Sorry, Emmett. I, <laughs> I already pitched my tent, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Dalton says uh, he's not as smart as he'd like to be, but Emmett remarks that maybe she'll be smart enough for the both of them.
0: Well, cooter. Sideways.
1: Coot, coot, coot. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning at the Double Deuce Applebee's, Dalton takes a seat next to Cody on the stage. Cody says he hears Dalton has been spending time with Elizabeth Clay. So? Know who had a thing for Elizabeth Clay? Cody asks. Brad Wesley. As I hear it, she left town and he went nuts. Which is kind of explains a lot. And also, too, Jeff Healy, his voice reminds me of the dad from Gremlins.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: But yet it's coming out of a man that's like looks 20 years younger. You know,
0: well, he was very young at that time. At this time, I I think he was in his 20s. Yeah. And also we should point out the fact that this is a A A-list star caliber movie. And they give Cody, a.k.a. Jeff Healy, a pretty substantial role for the first time. He's never been in a movie. And I pointed this out on the previous episode. He he'd released an album like the year prior. So he wasn't, you know, he wasn't at this legendary status for him to have to deliver a line like that, which is important to the film. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Like you don't see that often.
1: And he does a great job. I mean, listen to the yeah. last episode. I find out on air. I talk, I talk about how much I frickin like in one day. I fall in love with Jeff Healy and then find out he's dead in the same day. And I find out that latter information on air. And so you all heard it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then and then listen to Marshall Teague next week. Marshall Teague talks about how Jeff Healy, his take on Jeff Healy as well. It's really cool. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. No, dude, it's 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 pretty freaking awesome. Just like this movie. Just then one of the bouncers interrupts them and tells Dalton that the truck is out back. Out front of the Double Deuce, we see Wade right up in his motorcycle. He looks up at the sign and says, Double Douche. And shakes his head. Out back, Dalton is standing by the delivery truck, watching it being unloaded, when Morgan, O'Connor, Tinker, and Tiny Ron show up to harass the delivery guy. Now, Tiny Ron, I don't think we mentioned it last time, but Tiny Ron played the big goon in The Rocketeer, and he was also in Last Man Standing, and he was also in an episode of Check It Out as well.
0: Oh, check it out. Check it out.
1: But, Zach, you just watched uh, The Rocketeer with Bodie, and I know that it doesn't quite hold up, but remember the big goon? That's him.
0: Yeah, no, I totally do, and he's an actually he's one of the highlights of the Rocketeer. Rocketeer doesn't hold up. I, I know people are like, "Oh my God, they messed up. They didn't." They, they, that that could t- easily have a reboot.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and I will say to you, I even though I love that movie, the pacing is pretty freaking terrible. Pacing's weird, but yeah. if they ever reboot it, I will say the one thing you have to do is you have to keep the Rocketeer looking exactly the same because the movie itself, that is the highlight of the movie, is how the Rocketeer looks.
0: I, I agree, and I trust me, don't get me wrong. I want to love the Rocketeer. It's not as great as everyone says it is. And you know who directed it though, right? No, Joe
1: Johnston, he oh. is the guy that designed. Boba Fett for Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> cool. Because he was a part of ILM and uh obviously we all know Ralph McCorry did a lot of the paintings and everything like that, but a lot of the technical drawings, obviously. especially on Empire Strikes Back, like the add-ats and stuff like that. That's all Joe Johnston. And he's the one that directed uh the Rocketeer.
0: Cool. And side note, side note, side note, there was apparently a Rocketeer kids cartoon on Disney Plus. Uh that's cool. like little girl, she's like the I don't she's I don't know if she's related to the Rocketeer, but Billy Campbell who plays the Rocketeer reprises his role as the Rocketeer in, cool. in that. Mm. So.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the comic book, honestly, not going to lie to you. I, I've read the, by Dave Stevens, I think his name is. Um, it's, I mean, honestly, the, the movie is pretty faithful to the comic. So the, the pacing issues are also apparent in the comic as well. Yeah. Sadly.
0: It's okay. It's just okay. I just don't yeah. think it's as, as great. I remember seeing it in the theater many times, just, you know,
1: yeah, I have the Blu-ray. Retool so, yeah. it.
0: Retool it. Yeah, I agree and, with you. And, re- and keep a, keep Billy Campbell in there because he's fantastic.
1: I like Billy Campbell. I think he should have had more of a career than he did. Uh, Dalton tells the delivery guy to take a break and stands up to the four men by himself. When Morgan starts smashing bottles, Dalton goes to work. He gets, He kicks Tinker in the gut, pummels O'Connor, and kicks Morgan in the face. All while Tiny Ron keeps breaking the bottles of alcohol. Dalton is eventually overpowered and knocked to the ground. Inside the bar, Wade asks where Dalton is. One of the bouncers says he's out back and Wade tells him to pour him a beer. Outside, O'Connor and Tinker are holding Dalton while Morgan works his body. Wade walks out and asks Dalton, How's it going, wee-ho? Morgan tells Wade to mind his own business. Wade walks up to Tiny Ron and punches him in the balls, then kicks out his knee. Him and Dalton then dispatch the rest of the goons, including Morgan. Everyone inside comes rushing out, and someone asks who that guy is. Cody says, Gentlemen, Wade Garrett. One guy says, Holy shit. And Wade says,
2: Exactly. But we need to back up because... One of my favorite exchanges in this is, want to fight dickless? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, sure as shit ain't going to show you my dick. <laughs> and that's what he, and he fucking just, dude, the, the punch that he lays yeah. into Tiny Ron's balls. Like, if this was like Mortal Kombat, like X-ray, <laughs> that dude's balls exploded. Yes. And then Fate, he blew out his fucking victory. kneecap. But, um, so, Dustin, Wade is your favorite character in this movie. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. Big okay. time.
1: Okay. And how like thoughts on this scene as a whole?
2: Yeah. I mean, I just, I just love it. Like, you know, Wade walks into chaos and he's totally like, Oh, here we go. Like this is, this is another day at the office. Trouble always finds these guys. It's not, it's not a surprise. Right. You know? So it's a question of, uh, should I get involved? I don't know. You know, it's like, it's you, he could have walked in with a beer, like an open beer and it would have been the same level of casualness. Uh, so, you know, I just kind of love it. It's like, hey, buddy, how you been? I haven't seen you in a while. Right. They're they're having like almost like a catch up while Dalton's getting the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> because this means these goons mean nothing to them and they know they can yeah. dispatch them or Wade knows.
2: No, totally. Totally. So, uh, yeah, I just want to fight Dickless.
0: Yeah. And I want to point out, too, yeah, th- yes, is, it's
1: true. This man has. no dick. <laughs> yeah,
0: I also want to point out, too. This is one of the last times you see Terry Funk, a.k.a. Morgan in this movie. And I know, like, he's at the tail end of the movie as well. But, you know, rest in peace to Terry Funk. And uh I, I like the whole time I know who Terry Funk is as a wrestling fan. I know who Terry Funk is as an actor from seeing him in over the top with stallone i want to see more of terry funk have a little more gumption like they're really nobody like they they go toe to toe with dalton and wade you know and these guys they get sweaty and they get beat up but i would have loved to seen like morgan just be a little more tougher you know what i'm saying
1: yeah well, and I also like the fact that all the bouncers see him laying on the ground because he just got his ass kicked. And, and Jack, you know, kind of goes over to him, the, the heavier bouncer. He's, he's like, hey, Morgan, glad to see you <laughs> as he's picking him up. And right. clearly it's sarcastic. I, I love that. I think that's great. Oh, I do love that, too. Cut to Wade and Dalton driving to meet Elizabeth at the hospital after her shift. She walks up to the car and kind of smiles at Wade and Dalton. Cut to another bar after hours, and Dalton and Wade are comparing scars uh, and where they got them. Kind of like the scene in Jaws. It's a little bit of a Jaws homage here. Yeah. (laughs) We're treated to a sweet shot of Sam Elliott's pubes. (laughs) Wade then suggests taking Dr. Clay someplace more romantic so they can dance. Only problem is it's daytime. Cut to a diner, and people are eating their breakfast. All My Exes Live in Texas by George Strait is playing on the jukebox while Wade and Elizabeth are dancing in the middle of the restaurant. Dalton sits at a booth yawning. Elizabeth asks if this is the part where Wade tells her how, Dal- how great Dalton is. He says,
3: Hardly. This is the part where I tell you I want you for myself.
1: Dalton perks up and says, Whatever he's saying, you can barely- you can be fairly sure it's a lie. Wade dances Elizabeth back to the booth, and they hug, and Wade sits down while she goes to the bathroom. As she's walking away, Wade says,
3: That girl is entirely too much brain to an ass like that. You got your hands full, kid.
1: Dalton is quiet. Dalton is kind of quiet, and Wade remarks that he's still living in the past.
3: You're a long way from Memphis.
1: Wade tells him he can't believe he's still dragging that past with him. He wants Dalton to be more philosophical about it and cut it the fuck loose.
3: That girl never told you she is married. And when a man sticks his gun in your face, you got two choices. You could die, or you could kill the motherfucker.
1: Dr. Clay comes back to the booth and tells the boys her shift is about to start in a couple hours. She kisses Dalton, blows a kiss at Wade, and leaves them at the diner. I think this is a baller scene. I think Wade is... I mean, Sam Elliott's amazing here, and I wouldn't want to leave my my girlfriend or wife alone with him at all. <laughs> Dustin, what are your t- is your take that he's just flirting, or is maybe there's an air of of you know he might actually take her with him if if you know if that opportunity uh, presented itself?
2: Yeah, well, the the funny thing about this, and we sort of talked about this uh, a little bit in uh, in the two dollar breakdown, but the the fact is is that. He's presented as much older than he is. So he's kind of presented like a grandpa, right? Guys call him yeah, dad. Yeah. He's old. He's retiring, blah, blah. The reality is he's 44 years old. He looks fantastic. But I think that's supposed to be make him non-threatening because yes. it's the same way like you'd be hanging out with grandpa. Like grandpa yeah. just needs a little, you know, look, but don't touch grandpa, you know. Yeah. So I don't find him threatening because that's how it's been presented, so I don't see him as kind of a scumbag. Like I'll fuck your girlfriend. I don't think he would, because um, I think he loves Dalton, and he would never do that. Yeah. So I really, but I, but I do think it is more. It's just like innocent, you know. But he he's gonna flirt kind of with a purr. pretty
1: girl. Like he's gonna do that. Yeah, you know.
2: Of course, that's who he is. Yeah. But it, but it's like understanding. Like everyone knows that's who he is. Yeah. Even Elizabeth, right? She gets it. Like, she's not going to yeah. fuck him,
1: you know? But, 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 but she yeah. likes the, the game that they're sort of playing, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think
0: in 1989, totally. I think in 2023, because so many of these TV shows and movies now love to ride that gray line of gray characters. Everyone's gray, right? Everyone's flawed. So in 2023, if this was a TV series, they would totally have him have sex with her. And then he get killed, and that's why he got killed, right? You know, because he's a flawed character now, like which I think is bullshit. I I hate that I go there mentally, but it's because of shows like you know Game of Thrones and Walking Dead, where. These characters are well, just, I, I had to, you yeah. know, like, nah, yeah, come yeah. On. why can't Qu- we quote, just unquote, have cut and dry? More
1: realistic, right? It's supposed to be. Yeah,
0: yeah more realistic, quote unquote, which I think is still bullshit yeah. because I I agree. I think in, he is a harmless character. He's flirting with her and it's fine, but I hate that my, my, my mind goes to like, well, no, in today's day, that probably would have been. Like,
2: yeah, but, <laughs> but also what you're talking about is the difference between TV and movies. Because if you have right. a finite story, finite amount of time to tell that story, you know you're just going to keep it contained. But w- when right. you have more episodes and you have these characters, like what are we going to do with them? I totally agree with you. Nothing gets me more annoyed than when I when, than when they write some bullshit because they need to fill something with that character. You're like, right. but that's not how that character would
0: act. Right? You know exactly.
2: It's, it's part of the reason why I hate Cobra Kai, guys. It really is <laughs> because I think because honestly. They don't know yes, yes. I do not like it because I think the writing it's 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 gone too much. They're trying to to trying to fill shit. They do bullshit with Daniel, they do bullshit with Johnny, they just they just fill shit in where they throw the character. We've established him as this. I don't want to go off on this too much, but that's just oh, yeah. the example that comes to mind. It's like yeah. you know, you, you have feelings for these characters like, well, why is why is he sleeping with her? Like why why would he even be there? Why is he in that room? You it's that same thing. It's like we have we have a uh, a writer's room that's just taken us into a weird place.
0: Yep. Yeah, I, I, I just and I'll I'll piggyback on that really quick by saying uh John Bernthal's character uh in, in Walking Dead, right? His character because he's such good buddies with uh Andrew Lincoln's character, Rick Grimes, they're like they're like brothers, right? Right. Right. And he cheats on and yes. he has sex with and and I'm like, wait a minute. I, I know that's in the comics. I was gonna books, say it's still. it's
1: actually pretty accurate to the comics as at least. But I think
0: that tell that's more of a telling of like today's right. kind yeah. of society, you know.
1: I'm kinda of with you guys, like, yeah, it's like all these post Game of Thrones, gray characters and everything. There's something to be said about like the more mythological the hero's journey. I, I it is nice to have Why characters not? be a bit more Black and white, and, and yeah, you know, like,
0: can we, you can still have a black and white character and have it still feel realistic?
1: I agree, um, I agree with everything. Bo- both of you guys Sorry. just
0: no I, I didn't mean to take it to that tangent and yeah, no, I mean, we, and I,
1: we asked. I mean, I asked for it, that was that was great. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that that our that our scene by scene breakdown, this is the kind of the conversation we want to have and everything. Um, right. but I, I'm with you guys. I, I, I don't think that Wade would have actually pursued her, but I think that him. I think he's supposed to be more in his fifties or something. I think, yeah, you know, him dancing, he's like, I'm dancing with a hot young lady here. It's I'm, sweet. I'm gonna, it's sweet. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a little fun with it, you know. But it'll never cross the line, type of thing. Um, and and I think we learn that from Wade later. We'll we'll have sort of examples of that.
0: Yeah, because he's gonna die
1: <laughs> that night at the Double Douche. Cody and the band are playing White Room on stage while Wade and Dalton are posted up at the bar. We hear sirens in the background, and Jack the Bouncer comes running inside to tell Dalton that Red's auto shop is on fire. Everyone inside runs out to the parking lot to see the commotion. Dalton runs to Red's shop, but is blown back when it explodes. Red pulls up in his pickup, so we know he's you know wasn't inside. Dalton and Wade walk back into the now sort of cleared out double deuce and find Brad Wesley standing by the bar with Denise by his side. He also has Morgan, Tinker, Blade, and O'Connor with him. There's a few patrons still drinking, but no music. Brad says it's like a morgue in the Double Deuce. He wants to buy those firemen a drink for trying to save Red's place. As for a little contribution to improve the town, everybody digs, digs deep, except for him. You know, so he's kind of talking shit about Red. Denise asks Brad if she can dance, and he tells Cody to play something with balls. Cody and his band start playing the Hoochie Coochie Man while Denise seductively dances on stage with him. Uh, Zach, any thoughts on the Hoochie Coochie Man?
0: I think it's one of the sexiest songs uh, for for this. It's perfect for this. So I, I love Hoochie Coochie Man. I loved it in uh, Better Off Dead when you hear,
3: yeah, woo,
0: yeah. I love the guy in the Hoochie Coochie Man in the background because it, I feel like they recorded it live, you know? Yeah. Someone just yelling. That guy got paid to just go,
3: yeah, woo, yeah. Oh
0: so God. better than Mustang
1: Sally, right? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay. Yes. This The crowd For starts sure. getting riled up, and Brad just smiles and watches. Dalton walks up to the stage, and Denise strips out of her dress. He pulls her down, and she plants a kiss on his mouth. The cooler walks the wannabe stripper back to the wannabe mob boss and says, if you're going to have a pet... Keep it on the leash. Oh, man. Yeah.
0: But, you know, I feel bad for her because she, like, the last time you saw her, she had a big black eye. And, and, you know, she's clearly damaged.
1: I know. We all all know what kind of woman she is and probably Mm -hmm. how she got to that point. We get it. Brad says, You're right. Calls Jimmy over. Jimmy grabs a pool cue and swings it around like a karate man. then Then signals for Jack and the other bouncers to come at him. Jack looks at Dalton, and Dalton nods okay. The dance floor clears out, and the, th- <laughs> the three red polo-wearing bouncers surround Jimmy. As soon as Jimmy starts fighting them, as soon as Jimmy starts fighting them, more of Brad's guys start trashing the bar and chaos ensues. Tillman steps out of his office to watch the madness and horror. Jimmy destroys Dalton's men, then uses his pu- pool cue and Jack the Bouncer's big stomach to flip onto the stage and call Wade out. So good. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome! It's fantastic. Wade steps up to the challenge and goes toe-to-toe with Jimmy, but Dalton has to save his ass when Wade's knee gives out. As Dalton is fighting Jimmy, a gunshot goes off and everyone looks at Brad Wesley. All right, that's enough. This isn't working out, Dalton. Then he tells his boys to go. Jimmy looks at Dalton and says, Your ass is mine, boy. Then leaves. Wade limps over to Dalton and says, Same town, new story, huh, pal? Let's get a beer. Now, is that a line that he flubbed? Because shouldn't it be same story, new town? But he kind of says same town, new story? like, or is Or hmm. is that supposed to be a joke?
2: I don't know. Hearing you say it, it does sound kind of like, a miss a misread
1: right yeah uh, yeah like a miscue or something yeah
2: yeah
0: but coming out of his mouth sounds so good i mean it, yeah. <laughs> i will say too though that like this is the first time we see jimmy aka marshall teague really show his stuff and show how badass he is hey, and crying. man oh man mm-hmm. does he exude uh testosterone in this scene and just mm-hmm. like ultimate badass and you and you know That he's going to have a showdown. It's looming, right? It's coming up. But what a great way to present him. Because up until this point, you've just seen him as just another one of the thugs who looks menacing. He's like mean mugging.
1: And and you kind of get the sense that he probably is good because he seems to be the right-hand man. But Dalton has dispatched the thug so easily that I don't think you expect Jimmy to be this adept at kicking ass.
0: Yeah, this is the one guy in his crew that can go toe-to-toe and truly, you know, intimidate. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's a great scene. It's a great
1: scene. No, I think think it's an awesome scene. Dustin?
2: No, I agree. I agree. (laughs) Using a guy's, uh, using a pool cue as a pole vault is (laughs) unbelievable.
1: Right? yeah that that was amazing the fact that he like plants it right into like jack's gut too while he does it it's just insult to injury right cut to red's house and red is talking to other business owners in town about how brad wesley keeps getting richer while everyone around him gets poorer tillman dalton and elizabeth are there too dalton asks if red can prove wesley started the fire but red says who are you going to prove it to He's got the sheriff and the whole police force in the pocket in his pocket for Christ's sake. Tillman says that Dalton scared Wesley last night, and nothing scares him. Last night, that son of a bitch was afraid. Dalton says, "No, he wasn't." And that was cool. I like that.
0: Yeah, and this is an interesting moment because everybody's collected together, and I think I talked about yeah. this on the previous episode that there's this had the potential to be a TV series. You know,
1: because there's other characters that get introduced like super late in the game, like these other, you know, these guys or whatever they are. Right, right. Cut to Dalton driving Elizabeth's Jeep during the day with Cody riding in the back. They see a bunch of people gathered at a car dealership and slow down. Jack, the bouncer, comes running up and tells Dalton to check this out. Looks like Wesley wants to put a little something down on a new car. Dalton pulls into the parking lot. We see Wesley talking to one of the men at Red's place from the previous scene. It's the guy who owns the, the dealership. Yeah. He has Pat McGurd and a few goons with him and the monster truck that his men have been driving around, like the one we've seen this whole time. Wesley tells the dealership owner that he's lost faith. Then he tells Blade to drive his monster truck through the dealership. This is also when we see uh, Benny the Jet is in this scene too. Right. The owner tries to stop it, but nothing can stop a monster truck. Blade gets in and drives right through the showroom and over multiple cars.
0: Is that Bigfoot, by the way?
1: I mean, it looks like it because it's a monster truck that's blue, but I don't think it's as big as Bigfoot. Okay, okay. The bad guys cheer and everyone... By the way, that's probably a TV obscure cartoon we should cover one of these days.
0: Gotta cover Bigfoot.
1: (laughs) The bad guys cheer and everyone else just looks on in disbelief. Even Cody, Cody's just standing there, "quote unquote" watching. Am I the only one that finds the humor in that? Okay, no, he's He's, blind.
0: he's, he's like, blind. like Daredevil. He's got. He's got. He's. He's, he's Matt Murdock, he's motherfucker. Matt Murdock. So, one of my
1: favorite uh, in 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 Toy Fair catalog, um, it's what uh, uh, Robot Chicken sort of became, but there was like the in Toy Fair, which was a toy magazine put out by Wizard. They would do robot chicken style thing with the Mezco toys. And one time, one time they had this like like a villain convention and everyone's there. Kingpin's there and everybody. But Daredevil's there because he's blind. And I love the fact that he's sitting next to Kingpin and Kingpin says something. And Daredevil goes, "Whoa, settle down, Magneto. Again, because <laughs> he's blind. <laughs> I think that kind of shit's fucking genius. And I get it. Neither of you guys are
0: just sort of staring at me I get place. it. I get it. I'm laughing. I'm and, laughing.
1: But if anyone, I still say this to this day, if anyone ever see, hears me say, settle down there, Magneto, it, I'm referencing literally that issue of Toy Fair.
0: Hilarious. I love it.
1: Was it, though? Was it?
0: An <laughs> offensive.
1: Elizabeth walks up to Wesley and asks if he's lost his mind. Brad just says that Dalton is a drifter, and it would be a shame if she ended up with someone like that. He tells her to get Dalton out of town, or he's going down. The four men from Red's house gather around Wesley, and he tells them, this is my town, don't you forget it, and walks away. Yeah. Back at the barn, Dalton is practicing his karate, when karate Wade <laughs> Wade limps in to talk to him.
3: Well, amigo, you're all fucked up, aren't you?
1: He tries to convince Dalton to head out of town with him. Dalton says, You can leave anytime you want to. Then he climbs a rope to the second story and starts working on the punching bag. Wade says, Ah, uh, shit. And follows after him. Dalton tells him to get out of here and Wade says,
3: I ought to stop telling you what to do. Maybe I ought to kick your ass.
1: Dalton spins around and throws a punch but Wade catches it midair. He says to the younger man,
3: Let me tell you something. You taught me as much as I ever taught you. I love you, mijo. See ya.
1: Wade leaves and Dalton goes back to beating the punching bag. Later that night, we see Dalton looking at Wesley's place from his window. Elizabeth walks up the stairs behind him. She says she's here to talk to him. Dalton says, No, you came here to tell me to leave. Elizabeth says he doesn't know what kind of a man Brad Wesley is. But Dalton says he does. He's seen his kind many times. He keeps taking and taking and someone until someone takes him. It's obvious no one in this town can stand up to him. She asks, but you can stop him? Dalton says, Brad Wesley picked me. And when he did, he fucked up. I'm only good at one thing, Doc. I never lose. She asks what he's going to win. You think you're going to save these people from Brad Wesley? He's going to save them from you. I mean, that Ooh. is a that is a heavy statement. For, I mean, first off, I love what Dalton says. Like, and that's his thing. Like, he's like Wolverine. Wolverine's thing is I'm the best there is at what I do, and that and that's killing. And I like how Dalton's thing is. What his thing is all about is he never fucking loses. And Brad Brad Wesley picked the wrong person. I think that's cool. But also, too. You know, Elizabeth is like, yeah, but, like, are you going to be a tyrant, too? Like, are you going to—like, who's going to save this fucking town from the destruction that you're going to cause, too? Like, holy
0: shit. Who made who? Who made you?
2: And it's interesting because it's the first time where his philosophy is rattled because we've gone from nobody wins in a fight to I never lose.
1: Dude, that's a that's all. Aw- I mean, that's massive. Like you're right, because he says to her when he first meets her, nobody ever wins a fight, and you're like, okay, that's that's awesome, that's great. Right. But now he says, I never lose a fight. So, Dustin, I'm asking you, what do you think in his mind is the truer statement? Like, what he truly believes? Do you think what he was saying to her, like no one wins a fight, was that just like a a line? You know?
2: Yeah. No, I don't think it's a line. I think that's true. But I think. I think he's so emotionally he does he can't see anymore. Right? Yeah. Cuz he's just he just he needs to win. He needs to win to end it. He needs to end it cuz the reality is Dal- Dalton's philosophy should say no one wins and he walks away. He should just walk away. Here, he has nothing he has nothing to prove yeah. to this town or these people. He has nothing to gain by staying here.
1: And wouldn't you argue that he did his job at the double deuce? Like, it is arguably yeah. better now. He can walk uh, away and, act- and still be honorable. Like, I still did my job.
2: Except he knows that Wesley's coming for the deuce also.
1: No matter yeah. what. No yeah. matter what. Yeah. Yeah. A and dude. great points, man.
0: Also, he's got a degree in philosophy, but he doesn't have a degree in psychology. <laughs> And, I think and we that, all know I, that
1: those are different.
0: I, they are. It's like Serpentor who got all the DNA from all those great leaders except for Genghis Khan and then Sergeant Slaughter. And that's what led to his downfall. He lacked that one piece. And I'm not yeah. saying Dalton's going to have a downfall moment, but if he had a degree in psychology, maybe he wouldn't have been so hot headed going into this upcoming battle.
1: You know what? I'll accept that. I'll accept all of that. See? <laughs> Look at how I did that.
0: If Look he at-
2: had a degree in Mustang Sally,
1: <laughs> then he would have listened to If Warrior. he
0: had a degree in white boy soul. <laughs>
1: yeah. well, Co- Cody has a degree in that.
0: Trust he me. He indeed does. Man, that guy can shred.
1: Yeah. Just then, a huge explosion from outside the barn. It's Emmett's house that exploded. Dalton and Elizabeth raced to the to the destroyed building. Dalton runs inside and pulls Emmett out before the entire place explodes.
0: Oh, such a bummer.
1: I know. Such a bummer. Dalton checks Emmett, and he's alive. We see Brad Wesley watching from across the pond and smiling. And masturbating. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I mean... I I'm would probably I me if I were Brad Wesley, I would be masturbating more here at the explosion <laughs> that I created than at them having sex. I mean, I've never blown something up before, but I imagine oh a boner. if they man. cast it has to give you a boner.
0: if they cast Harvey Keitel in this role, he definitely would have. Hey, oh, of course,
1: yeah, fucking bad, I, bad lieutenant, right? <laughs> yes.
0: Wait, can I ask a question? Can I jerk off in the scene? No, it doesn't call for it. I know, but can I? But can
1: I though? But can I? <laughs> Dalton hears the motorcycle rev up, and Jimmy drives out from behind the house. He laughs, and Dalton chases after him and tackles him off the bike. Maybe oh. he shouldn't have laughed, Jimmy. Maybe you should have driven. The two square off by the pond and have an absolutely brutal fight. Both men beat the shit out of each other. Jimmy eventually gets the upper hand when he breaks a log over Dalton's ribs. The ex-con gets the cooler in a chokehold and says, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. He beats on Dalton some more, but he goes... but But when he goes for the killing blow, Dalton dodges it and unleashes hell on Jimmy. I'm chuckling because the line I used to fuck guys like you in prison reminds me of Shooter McGavin. I ate pieces of shit like you for breakfast. (laughs) You eat pieces of shit for breakfast?
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. He opened up a door and Dalton did not close it.
1: No, he definitely did not. But Happy Gilmore did. Yes, thank you. Elizabeth comes running over to the two men. (laughs) Just then, Jimmy pulls out a pistol and tells Dalton he's going to kill him the old-fashioned way. Dalton kicks the gun out of Jimmy's hands, grabs him, and rips his throat out Mortal Kombat style. Then kicks Jimmy's dead body into the pond. Elizabeth runs past Dalton to check on Jimmy, which I think is awesome. That doesn't portray her character because she's a doctor first. And I think that is I think that is very smart writing on, on their part. And is horrified to find him dead. She walks past the bloody Dalton back to probably Emmett or something, you know. Dalton grabs Jimmy's dead body and starts floating it across the pond as he yells for Wesley. The older man walks out onto his patio and Dalton yells, fuck you, as he pushes Jimmy's lifeless body towards Wesley's place. It's great. I've always heard about this throat rip. You know, like, this is one of the famous things from this movie. And yes, guys and gals, listen to last episode with $2 late fee. I'll talk about what my experience with this movie is, which I talked about at the beginning of this, is very minimal. But I've always heard of the throat rip. And I got to say that this fight scene didn't let me down at all. Like, as a fight, as something that was built up, it didn't let me down at all. I think it was a great fight. I know, like, it was filmed over the course of, like, four nights. I know that, you know, they were both beaten and bruised afterwards, but it was worth it and i love how jimmy just just gets his throat ripped out and goes face down in the pond and stays there until you know i like the fact that the doctor comes running to him she doesn't come running to dalton she runs to him and i think that is that's on point with her character as a doctor but um dustin talk about this fight scene man like i know you watched this when you were younger and i know this is like something that like you know about but truthfully like as far as fights go how does this one stack up against other fight scenes you've seen in movies?
2: You know, it it, it has one of those moments to me where at this point in the film, I'm kind of like, the first time I was thinking, is this the fight? Like, is this the fight? Because you're almost like, well, there's a lot of like movie left like and he's jimmy's been this antagonist for a while are they gonna really duke it out and then once you realize like oh it is because the music starts kicking in you know the the the, uh discarded diehard cues that we talked about um you know it's obviously very cold right it's 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 very gritty you know uh swayze's in these like uh, i don't know they're like sculpted sweatpants yeah but they have some looseness to them they're like simultaneously loose and tight um, it is a, <laughs> it is a brutal, brutal fight culminating in the throat rip. And, um, and I think your point about Dr. Clay is a great one because in most movies, they would not have the truth. And the truth is that you would be horrified, horrified. if you witnessed anyone ripping, an, a, you know, an, another human ripping another human's throat out of their
0: out out of their body out
2: of their neck
1: throat out of their body
2: out of their out of their neck um you know or any any fight of brutality you would just be like i can't even watch this i don't know who you are you know the fact that she runs over yeah she's just like who are you you know um it almost seems like that's the end of them because the reality is you know jimmy did pull a gun like so as as uh as Wade uh, eloquently said in this previous scene or whatever, guy pulls a gun, you have two choices, that's your choice.
1: Uh, dude, you're right. I didn't even put that together. That was the foreshadowing. Thank yes. you, dude.
2: You're welcome. I mean, yes. Yeah. So so that's it. So for us, it's like, okay, there's no we, choice. We get it. Yeah, we, we understand
1: the choice he had to I make. I see both sides. Yeah.
2: I see her side. I see his side.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times they they would never show her. She was she, she like in my head two things. One of the thing two things I was expecting. One because he does get off a shot before he kicks the gun. Dalton kicks the gun. I thought he would turn around and she was dead because that shot was still sort of aimed at oh, ground yeah. level. Yeah. But, Okay. That didn't happen. Then you're also expecting her to run up to Dalton and be like, "Oh my God, I'm I'm happy you're alive." But she doesn't even. She's cold to him because she's a doctor first. And she just witnessed him fucking kill a man, and again, yeah. and I, I I know it's a joke, but it's true. Like it's like a Mortal Kombat fatality. It, it like is. I'm waiting for Shang Tsung to pop up and be like flawless victory, you know. Yeah. But it's it's wild, and but it's but I love it. It's fantastic, and it didn't let me down. Uh, Zach, you you got to weigh in on this, man.
0: Yeah, no, I was I was gonna say that this is the moment in the movie where, you know, you get your exploitation film from the early '80s, you know, late '70s, early '80s that ripping the throat out is definitely putting it in another echelon because most mainstream movies wouldn't do that. They, mm-hmm. he hit him in the throat. Jimmy would struggle to breathe and then fall into the water yeah. and push him away. Right. That would be the typical Hollywood way of doing it. You yeah, to, to
1: maintain your, your, your hero's virtue.
0: Yes. Yeah. And this, you know, really pushes him in like, it justifies what happened what we've only heard about with him and Wade where Wade's like, you didn't mean to do, you know, you didn't the whole backstory with, with Dalton. Um, and I think in a modern day movie, you would have accidentally killed doc and she'd be dead, you know? And then, then Dalton's character will die in the end of this movie, yeah. <laughs> you know? because yeah. um, that's the way stupid movie TV movies and all that shit is nowadays, which it drives me nuts um but i i love it and i love the way it, it's so unexpected it's still unexpected you show this movie I, case in point you yeah. watching this for the first time and going wait whoa he just ripped his throat out and even knowing that it's coming yeah. it's
1: still unexpected
0: yeah and for for a hunky mainstream actor to do something like that in a movie is ballsy it's gutsy it, um, I, I applaud the fact that they did that in this movie
1: man 100% loved it and the fight scene up into like and that's the thing like you know we I talked about it on our scanners episode you know the head exploding scene I've seen it a million times you know uh, on its own without in context but watching it in context it's a whole different thing it's a whole different beast because here and same thing here it's like that fight that leads up to it is a is a brutal fight it's it's great it's an absolutely amazing fight one of like uh, not one of the best but one of the better 80s man-on-man fight you know yeah agreed
0: Marshall and Marshall Teague this is the last time you'll see him by the way so (laughs) obviously and Marshall Teague sells that scene so well they work so well off of each other so
1: yes Marshall Teague is a fantastic fighter here and you know you have both men are doing an amazing job, and it only works because they're both fucking awesome at what they're doing. Yeah, completely agree. The next day, Dalton drives his Mercedes to the Double Deuce. As he walks in, the phone is ringing. Dalton answers it, and it's Brad Wesley. Top of the morning to you. This is this is such a sinister thing. Here's what's on for today. I like how he's like, here's what's <laughs> on for today. Right. Waiter Elizabeth. Dalton asks, what? Wesley says, one of them dies. Who will it be? Dalton says Brad is a sick man. Wesley tells him he just has to flip a coin, which he does and smiles. He picks up the receiver again and tells Dalton that he wishes he could tell him how the coin landed. Then he hangs up the phone. Just then, Wade stumbles into the bar, completely beaten up. Dalton helps him to the bar and says uh, he has to find Doc. Wade says he'll help, but Dalton tells him to stay at the double deuce. Wade grabs him by the by the arm, but Dalton says, Wesley wins, man. We're out of here. And then Wade says,
3: Atta boy, Mijo.
1: Cut to the hospital, and Dalton barges into the x-ray room and tells Elizabeth that they are leaving. She says she isn't going anywhere with him. Dalton says, Doc, the man is crazy. And she says, And you're not? Now get out of here. Dalton drives back to the double deuce only to find Wade lying dead on the bar with a knife in his chest.
2: No, he's just drunk. He was just drunk.
0: <laughs>
1: he's he's, sleeping. Just, he's just, yeah. just drunk. He just happens he's to still have alive. a knife just he's still stuck alive. into him. Yeah. They're making a
0: sequel. They're making <laughs> <Yeah>. a sequel.
1: <laughs> a note attached to him says it was tails. Dalton starts crying over his dead mentor's body. He then takes the knife out of Wade's chest and walks out of the bar with it in his hand. The knife, him taking the knife out of his chest was unnecessarily good because he kind of like does a couple times where he tries to go reach for it. And you can tell that he's like, like, fuck, man, you know, like this is fucked up, you know, like they didn't need that. Like I expected him as the 80s hero to be like, boom, take it out. And now I'm galvanized. Right. No, they chose this moment to kind of humanize Dalton. And I I liked that, and I was I was really pleased with that choice. Did anyone else pick up on that?
0: Yeah, I think Dalton yeah. is 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 very much humanized. I think he's. A we very discussed this while man. you were looking
2: for the for the for the last <laughs> yeah, page. Jack and I yeah, covered exactly. all this already. <laughs> totally you'll, you'll go back and listen to it. You'll be like amazed. Oh, they,
0: they,
1: they did it. They finished the movie while yep.
2: I was
0: out there, <laughs> and it's done. Now, uh, Dal- Dalton does a really good. You know, Swayze is really good at, at emoting sadness or you know tears yeah tears
1: yeah he's a great fucking actor i mean there's a reason you know he's patrick swayze there's a reason for that
0: he's one of my favorite parts of outsiders to be honest with you
1: still need to see that movie dude i've still never seen that but i've seen i've seen red dawn a million fucking times go watch
0: young blood first go watch young
1: blood go watch
2: watch swayze just filmography
1: yeah I've also never seen Diner, and I know I, see, I need to see that too.
2: Yeah, he's not in that, but you he's should. He's not see
1: in it. that, but still, I put that with like, yeah, with the Outsiders, like sort of that same type of, yeah. Anyways. It has nothing to do with the Outsiders. Sure, but sure. But see. as someone who's <laughs> never seen either, I put them together.
0: You're just going with the like coming of age kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. At Brad Wesley's place, we see all of his goons standing guard out front with guns: Pat McGurd, Tinker, Morgan, O'Connor, and Blade. All of a sudden, we see Dalton's Mercedes driving across Wesley's lawn, heading full speed at the house. The men shoot the car and blow it up in midair. Actually, Blade does. That's the coolest fucking thing that he does is, like, shoot that thing with a shotgun in midair. Cool stunt. Yeah. When they go to check it, no one is inside. The knife that was in Wade's chest is stuck into the gas pedal. Blade takes the knife and holsters it. So now we know it's his blade, which is, you know, that makes his death, upcoming death, you know, more important. Right. And tells his men to find Dalton. They spread out around the compound looking for him. Blade runs around back of the house and finds Morgan dead? Question mark? I don't know. He's on the ground, but I, who the fuck knows?
0: I'm sure they cut that scene. That that scene had to have been cut out. And it's a bummer, but rest in peace, Terry Funk.
1: Yeah, and that's, this is the last time we see Terry Funk, So, and we don't know if he's technically dead or not, but okay.
0: In a couple weeks, we're going to pay a lot of tribute to Terry Funk on territory marks. So.
1: He goes into the house with a shotgun at the ready and finds O'Connor dead, also dead or knocked out on the floor, I don't know. Finally, Blade makes his way into the living room, and Dalton gets the jump on him, and they fight to the death. Dalton gets a hold of Blade's knife and guts him with it. He then spins Blade around to take a shotgun blast to the back from Pat McGurd. Dalton takes the knife out of Blade's stomach and throws it into Pat McGurd's chest, killing him. I mean, the body count kind of stacks up quickly here. Tails again. With all of his top-tier goons dead, Brad walks into the living room with a gun in hand. Just then, we see Tinker walk into Wesley's hunting trophy room with uh with his gun drawn all of a sudden a stuffed bear falls over and knock knocks tinker out wesley hears the commotion and walks into the trophy room to confront dalton he tries taunting dalton out of his hiding spot by bringing up wade's death one old man it was a mercy killing you took out jimmy and he was in better shape hell you took out all my boys Brad thinks he knows where Dalton is, but when he points his gun, Dalton comes up from behind him. Brad gets a shot off, hitting Dalton in the arm, before the younger man kicks the gun out of Wesley's hand. They start fighting hand-to-hand, with Wesley throwing a spear at him and missing, but also getting some good hits in as well.
0: Which, then, I just have to interrupt you really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I kind of like, I don't know why, but... I feel like he gets too many hits in. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Well, because he's the big bad. He's the because, big bad. It because has Because Dalton, he, he get. I'll answer your question. Brad Wesley gets more hits in than he probably deserves because the protagonist always has to overcome the antagonist. Like it's like the script made him better than reality probably should have.
0: Yeah, I, you know, in a way, in a weird way, it reminds me a little bit of Ent- Enter the Dragon when uh, Bruce Lee Bruce Lee disposes of, like, what is it, Daehan? Or, like, uh, Bolo Young's character, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then he has to take on the main guy, right? who shouldn't be as badass as he is.
1: Jimmy, I mean, let's be honest, like, the fight with Jimmy, that's the climax. That's, that's the main the climax. fight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: This is like a climax after the climax
1: no yeah i'm I'm with you there so yeah he gets a lot of hits in more than he probably should for a man of yeah. his age
2: but isn't dalton
0: hurt dalton's hurt yeah right? he, yeah he is yeah. then is
1: dalton is on the ground okay. beaten and bloody yeah
0: that makes sense
1: but while he's on the ground dalton kicks wesley in the knee breaking it and sending the older man to the ground with him
0: ah dust comes out of my knee <laughs> wesley says
1: i thought it would be fun fighting you dalton now I just don't have the time. Both men slowly get to their feet, and Wesley pulls a gun on Dalton, but he kicks it out of his hand while knocking Wesley into a chair. Dalton is about to finish him. Finish him. With throat Yeah, but he stops. <laughs> just then, Elizabeth comes running in. Wesley uses the distraction to grab his gun and point it at Dalton. Elizabeth screams, no and we hear a gunshot. But it's not Dalton who's hit. Wesley takes a shotgun blast to the shoulder and flies back. We see Red holding the gun. He's joined by the other men from their clandestine meeting from earlier. Wesley aims at Red, but Emmett shoots him in the stomach. The car dealership guy shoots him too. Then Tillman walks out with a shotgun and says, This is our town, and don't you forget it and aims his gun at Wesley. Wesley staggers and raises his pistol, which is why this is not a, a slaughter, because Wesley right. still has the pistol in his hand. Right. And Tillman blasts him and back through the coffee table. All the men nod at each other, and Red collects their guns to get rid of, while we hear sirens approaching in the house from the distance. We see Tinker wake up from under the bear and throw his gun to the side. Dalton holds Elizabeth as she cries. The cops come through the, the door and see Wesley's dead body. The detective says, Who's going to tell him what happened here? Emmett says they didn't see anything. The rest of the men chime in and say the same thing. Finally, Red asks if Tinker saw anything. The fat goon says, A polar bear fell on me. At that moment, when the Night Comes Fallin' by Jeff Healy Band starts playing as all the killers laugh at their handiwork.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> cut back to the Double Deuce and Cody is playing the song with his band. Cut to Dalton and Elizabeth swimming nude in the pond and having fun while it keeps playing. We cut back to Cody playing at the Double Deuce. And the credits play as When the Night Comes falling out of the sky. Is playing by Cody, a.k.a. Jeff Healy.
0: See another butt shot of Dalton?
1: Yes, of course. And that is Roadhouse. Guys, Ooh. gals, woohoo! Roadhouse, guys. Final thoughts uh, all around, uh, uh, Dustin? I know you've seen this, you know, a million times since you are a kid and everything. How does it hold up in 2023 for you? Uh,
2: A-plus movie, you know, it... Uh... A plus. It's it's got a lot of nostalgia. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very rewatchable. You know, I, I can always kind of go back to it. It it is one of those movies. Like if it was just like on, I'd probably watch it. You know, if I was just flicking through the channels, that's usually the test for what I would rank as a high movie. Uh, it's also extremely quotable. Um, and, uh, and there's nothing like it, really. There's no yeah. other. We can't be like, oh, what's your
1: favorite cooler movie? Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. The good point. Good point. I.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Zach. Zach. Thoughts.
0: I mean, I would say the same. I would say the same. Um, I said this in the two dollar late fee. The the. I, I said this in last week's episode. I love backwoods semi-exploitation type films. Uh, this this border. This is a Hollywood blockbuster version of that um with an actor who is a a legendary you know he carries the movie as a leading actor should it's he's the definition of a leading actor and i just yeah it's a fun movie and it has so many fun moments where you're like okay it takes it takes the edge off if they hadn't had the little jokes like tinker at the end going, oh, bear me, bear. you know, there, it was just, it would be darker. And I, I like that. It's a little bit lighthearted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And as you know, the resident newcomer to this movie, 1989, I was 11 when it came out. I was probably watching aliens at nausea at this point as well. Um, I was a big sci-fi kid. I love sci-fi stuff. I do think I would have loved this movie if I saw it back then. Um, you
0: should have seen it when you were a kid. Yeah. yeah. But
1: But I didn't but I'm happy that I saw it now and it's, it's, but it is interesting because you know, a 1989 movie watching it for the first time in 2023, when I'm 45 years old, I think it holds up very well today. Like I think it's, it's fricking awesome. Um, I, I get it. You know what I mean? Like I, I get what all the, the hubbub is about roadhouse. And it's funny because when I hear that it, it wasn't, like a financial ex- success, I'm like, well, that's weird because all I ever hear is people talking about how much they love this movie and everything. And I'm just like, okay, like that, uh, okay. it's interesting to me. But um, yeah, I think this movie, if, if, if you've never seen it before and you've made it all the way through this breakdown, well, I'd say go check it out because it's awesome. But I'm pretty sure most everyone here has, has seen it before and hope we did this justice. But I think it holds up. I think it very much holds up in 2023.
0: I also want to add on to that by saying, you know, covering this movie all month long, having a episode last week where we kind of talked about the cast and crew and the soundtrack, et cetera, et cetera. And then with this breakdown and then next week with Marshall Teague and then a follow up the week after with Marshall Teague, like it, it, we 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 get through every little detail that I think uh, – Reminding people of of a time when, of a a long lost art and and why people should revisit this. Because they don't make movies like this anymore. They don't have the same energy.
1: No. I mean, Dustin said it. There's like nothing exists like this. You know? It's it's very unique. I mean, it has elements of other movies, but it's singular in its uniqueness.
2: Agreed. if anyone comes forward and is like, you guys didn't do this movie justice, <laughs> there's a h- massive problem with that person because we're basically devoting about- five episodes, five episodes.
1: <laughs> to- we're de- dedicating yeah. an entire month of our lives yes. to this movie. And uh, the best part. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. So guys and gals, you know, this is quote unquote, the podcast after dark episode, but you know. On this feed, you'll hear all the other versions and everything and, and 2 dollars and everything. So if you're just finding us through podcasting after dark, know that 2 dollars fee is a podcast that is very 80s nostalgia. Um, Zach and Dustin are more musically inclined than probably I am. And the, the, their show delves more into music stuff than sort of Zach and I do on podcasting after dark. Although Zach does bring, you know, that knowledge with him as well. Um, but $2 Lafie is a fantastic show. Please go check it out. The website's $2lafee.com. That's T-W-O. And you can find all the links to their Patreon. They have they have a ro- robust Patreon page, just like we do. And we also know that they have a lot of people are dual sign ups and everything. Um, but also, you know, if you are finding us through Podcast After Dark. Leave $2 Lafia a five-star review on, podca- on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Those five-star reviews go a long way to helping out you know any show that you're listening to. And uh, they have a merch store and everything, so go check them out. Zach and Dustin are always creating fantastic content over there. I mean, I'm not just a, a friend. I'm a fan and a patron member. So go check them out. Uh Dustin, is there anything you want to add or or plug as well?
2: Uh I just want to say thank you for the kind words. Um thank you guys for having me back for the third year. The plane is uh, approaching the East Coast right now, the Red Eye. <laughs> yeah, You're your Red it's Eye.
3: Just, <laughs> you know, I've I've
2: just been jarred awake by the captain giving me the uh the, we'll, we'll be landing in uh 6 to 7 minutes. So um no, but this 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 has been great. I mean I I really have nothing to to add um other than uh you know some appreciation. So Well thanks, guys. I mean
1: Dustin, man, like Zach and I do this uh, uh you know every month and everything and it's awesome and obviously Zach I love you, bro. But Dustin, it's really cool, man, doing this once a year with you. And I just like last year, I look forward to next year's crossover and I I love these crossover events i think they're amazing and it's an honor honestly it's an honor for both you know for me to do it with both you guys
2: it's very sweet and uh you know it's it's it it is it is a fun way to combine both sides of zach's life (laughs) zach's personality Um, yeah (laughs) Zach's just sitting there listening. And now he's going to be editing his wife's podcast. He'll probably be producing that one, too. Yeah, of course. Probably probably co-hosting it just because he's around and has witch thoughts. But um, (laughs) is that one ready to be plugged? or No, we're not at that stage. Not
1: yet. So we'll we'll keep that. We'll keep that. Mustang (laughs) Sally! Zach, dude, as always, man, this is freaking awesome, bro. I I always love doing this with you, dude.
0: I love the. Uh, I love that we do this every year. I love that it tortures Dustin to some degree. And, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, and I and I love you guys. I love you guys so much. I get. I'm getting to do one of the favorite things in my life that I get to do is spend time with my friends and uh, talk about movies that I love to talk about. So, you know, I'm the one who gets the uh, the big grand prize because I'm getting to hang out with my two homies. So, uh, is... I'm, joy all around. I, I love it. So Zach, what's, uh, like laid out for everybody. What's coming okay. for
1: the rest of the month with the, uh, $2 late fee podcast after dark roadhouse crossover.
0: I'll make it very clear for everybody that's listening now or listens in the future. Go back. If you want to w- listen in order, the episode prior to this $2 late fee podcasting after dark, we cover roadhouse and the soundtrack. This is the breakdown next week. Interview with Marshall Teague following week. six questions where Marshall Teague answers questions from you fans. How can you ask those questions to the guests we have on our show? Sign up to $2 late fees, Patreon, $2 late, patreon.com slash $2 late fee. And then we will final, we, we will close out the month of roadhouse. Uh, the fifth episode of this crossover territory marks with Corey sleazy C and my co-host on territory marks Paul London, wrestling superstar, actor, phenom, where we will we will celebrate the career and life of Terry Funk from 1989, because that's the year this movie came out. So that's your lineup for the five weeks that we do, or the five that's your lineup for the five episodes we do. Uh, but there's a little bit more, isn't there, Corey?
1: yeah so we're gonna have Dustin on podcasting after Dark's wrap up after dark which is a patreon exclusive show we're gonna have him on at the end of the month to sort of wrap everything up and, and discuss anything we missed you know anything bring up anything we d- didn't get addressed and everything and that uh that episode will launch simultaneously on podcasting after dark and two dollar uh uh patreon as well so
0: and Corey will be joining us for Tales from the Video Store for the month of September as well. Uh, there potentially may be a trivia contest that we do in the month as well that we normally do. And so look for that as well. Uh, whether that has Paul London on it, Corey on it, we'll, we'll, you'll find out later this month if you sign up to our Patreon.
1: There, there you go. Couldn't have said it better myself. And as always,
3: we'll catch you on the dark side, mijo.